Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Today I've got Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock with me. T.P. will join in a segment or two. But for now, me and Brooks on this Thursday edition of the show, we are going to have a lot of fun in store for you today as uh, we continue and kind of also wrap up our NFL preview as it gets underway tonight with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions. So we will have an AFC preview today. We had an NFC preview yesterday. We'll also look ahead towards the week two of college football. We'll start to look at some of the matchups and also continue to talk about Auburn and Cal. We also have a couple other college football topics as uh, we've uh, yet to tell you about the, the fi- one of the final dominoes to fall for 2024 and beyond uh, with realignment and also an interesting NCAA transfer decision that we might get to a little bit today too. Ryan Lavoy, Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday. T.P. Hammock joining us in a little bit. Brooks, how are you this afternoon? I am doing great. It's a beautiful Thursday out here, getting closer and closer to the weekend. Uh, and the football weekend starts tonight, as you said. we got one college football game, uh, not a big one. It's it's Louisville and I think Murray State are playing on like the ACC network. So one college football game tonight. And then, yeah, the NFL is back tonight. Uh, it's it's the like, like I said, I've been saying this for the last couple weeks. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's uh, you know, you get college football back in full. Uh, you're, you're getting the NFL back this weekend. You got one game tonight. It's going to be great. Um, had a lot of fun last night at the coaches show at our, our friends over at the end zone bar and grill myself and Chris Tarno, uh, our sideline uh, slash analyst uh, for the for Smith Station broadcast over on our FM Talk 93.9 sister station. Um, we, he was out there with me last night. I had a great time. Talked to a lot of coaches. Uh, it, it was super fun and gearing up for another full week of high school football here in the area. A lot of big games going on around uh, th- this area of high school football. So can't wait to uh, to get to that. Get to the Friday night lights again. And man, it's it's uh, you know football season's here. Love talking football. Love watching football. It's it's just a great time. And uh, can't go on though without mentioning you know the Braves are still playing. Uh, although they haven't looked like it the last two nights, they've uh, they dropped two to the Cardinals, looking to salvage a game in the series. But you know the the thing is, you had a big weekend against the the, the Dodgers, uh, and the Dodgers have not looked good after that series either. So the, you haven't lost any ground uh, when it comes to that number one uh, overall seed uh, in in, the, in going toward uh, October here in the next few weeks. But yeah, big day for the for sports call, big day for the show. Can't wait to uh, talk to all of our callers. Can't wait to get into uh, this this football talk. Absolutely. If you want to give us a call today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line three three four eight eight seven three four Four zero one, or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. Also, we'll have sports calls player of the week coming up a little bit later 
in the show as well. Uh, let's start things off as we typically do with uh, some Auburn f- football talk as Auburn gets set to take on Cal. And uh, Brooks, when we're looking at this matchup again, uh, there are still been some interesting quotes coming out of Cal, I'll say this week. Certainly an air of confidence. And look, I, uh, I'm, of course, referring to yesterday, the Jay Knott uh, comment that uh, was talking basically about, you know, you see the name Auburn on the jersey, but you watch them on a film, it doesn't look like that doesn't look like the name on the jersey tell the guys to be confident that sort of thing there's also some players today from cal talking about uh when we get this dub uh and that sort of thing where are you on uh public trash talk do you do you enjoy it all does it fire you up or is it something that you would want your team to stay away from uh, we, you know, fun, funny, but funny enough, uh, we had talked to a couple coaches at the high school coaches show about bulletin board material last night because we were we were looking perusing Twitter and there's a couple of teams from this area that are really good that there's a couple of Twitter accounts out there that have listed as uh, underdogs for this week. And you're like, how can this team be an underdog to this other team? And so we we actually talked a little bulletin board material last night on the coaches show, but you know, um, I'm fine. Like. Overall, I'm fine with it because, you know, you, you've got confidence in your, you know, if you're confident in your team, you're confident in, in the product that you're putting out there, you know, talk a little smack. You know, it's part of the game. Like, get out, be confident, get out there. Now, I'll say this, you at least have to back it up a little bit. You can't go out If you're going to smack talk, you got to go out there. And if you're going to lose, it's got to be respectable. You can't get, get your butts blown out. You know, go out there and you say, oh, we're going to get this win. This is going to be easy. And you know, this is going to, you know, we're going to go out there and rock them. You can't get blown out of the water. You can't go out there and, you know, get beat 35 to nothing or something like that you got to back it up at least a little bit make it a close game if, if you do get beat but you know when when it comes to i i also do like you know when when teams just like quiet confidence where they're like you know yeah you know they're a good team we're, we respect them and you, you're you know we, we know what we've got and we know what they've got so we're, we're a good team so I, I like the quiet confidence a little bit i do like a little bit of smack talking especially when you get into the game a little bit you see the, the players jawing at each other it, it adds a little bit to the game it adds a little bit especially in games like this like this game cal and auburn they've you know they've never played before and it's not a game that you see you know it's not a type of game that you see often and you know you could go up and play it and you'd be like oh we're playing you know cal and go out there and play each other shake hands at the end of the game you want a little bit of fire there you want a little you know make make the game mean something there's a game right in front of you on espn saturday night that means a lot in the terms of college football playoffs and it's tuscaloosa alabama texas and alabama that those teams are you know they're gonna be out there they're gonna be jawing at each other they're gonna be they're gonna be knocking each other out you gotta, you know, you know, you have the same type, you know. Go out there; it's a team that you don't play that often. Make it a little bit, you know, rile it a little bit up. Make make it a little fun atmosphere out there because it's, you know, you, you you gotta have some sort of, you know. Otherwise, it's just, you know, it's another football. It's another like the NFL. You you watch the NFL every week, and this isn't a knock on the NFL, but you only have a small handful of players that trash talk the NFL. It's it's a job. Everybody's out there. We're gonna hit each other for three and a half hours and then shake hands and go home because it's our job. College football, you got to have a little bit of you know confidence. There's bragging rights in, in you know here. You get Cal back at home next year, so if you win, you're like we're going to go two and zero against you. But if you know if you're Auburn, you lose. They've talked all the smack. You're like, well, we're going to pay them back next year. We're going to get them back next year. It, it's you, it adds a little juice to a game that really doesn't have a lot of built-in juice like in auburn alabama that's got a lot of built-in juice you know the teams hate each other you know auburn and georgia hates each other you know auburn and lsu hate each other but it's it auburn and cal it it 
if they didn't, if you don't have a little bit of, of smack talk in there, you don't have a little bit of juice in there, there's, there's nothing to get you fired up about it. It's like, cool, we're playing at 930 at night. Great. <laughs> it adds a little bit of something to the game, you know? So, okay, so you're saying that because this game otherwise is not a big game, give something give yeah. something to juice it up. But if it were a huge rivalry already, or especially if it was like a, 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 a playoff game or a conference title game, then mm. you would say, okay, don't really need that as yeah. much. Uh, Auburn's, you know, to their their side of things, they've really not supplied much trash talk, sure. at least not publicly. And again, I'm fine with the trash talk a little bit on the field as long as there is a certain respect to it. I mean, we don't need to be talking about people's mamas for the absolutely for the, for the hell of it and, and, and need to have a certain line to not cross. But I'm fine with it on the field. I'm certainly fine with hyping up in the locker room. I just would say that as if I were coaching a team, I would just be uncomfortable if my players were adding fuel to the fire uh, certainly the bigger the game, the more uncomfortable I'd be with it. Uh, just because you already know that other team has a certain desire to win. You don't need to increase that desire. You don't yeah. need to egg it out of them. Uh, and I just don't see what it actually adds to your team in the game. Like, like oh, you're going to be more accountable now because you're saying it out in the media? Like, I don't, I don't think that that outweighs the potential negative of that other team just wanting to run through a wall to smack you now. I, I, I personally, if I were coaching a team, I would say by all means, you know, in the, in the locker room, cuss them and, you know, say what you need to say to get the guys fired up, but don't let that get out because now it's a talking point. And if we're talking about it, there's a really good chance that other people on that football team that are going to play on Saturday have seen it and are going to going to say, oh, really, when we get the dub against Auburn? Okay. Yeah, oh, this doesn't fit what you believe the Auburn name is. So you're already, you're already kind of saying that we're above you because you say we have a name. Well, we'll put, we'll put uh, the pads to that name now. And so, again, I don't have a problem mm. with what Cal's saying. Or what what their players thinking? They're entitled to hype up their own guys. And again, when Jay not saying that the the film doesn't necessarily match the jersey, I I agree in terms of rush defense. I think that when you look overall at Auburn, you look at the athletes they have, you look at the ability that the running back room has, the DBs have, the potential of some of these guys, and the athleticism. No, I think it does fit the Auburn name in a lot of ways. But in that part of the game, sure. I mean, I don't think Auburn's rush defense is is good right now or projected to be good. But I don't know. It would just make me uncomfortable to try to egg on the other team uh, and because it, it just it doesn't feel like it accomplishes much. Like me saying that we can beat Auburn versus – me saying we can beat Auburn out loud to the public, like like why is the latter more constructive yeah. and productive than the former? But for neutral parties and for the hype of the game, I certainly agree mm. with you. I think that it it's now adding more of a pageantry to it, a game that's never happened, teams that have never needed to collide. Now all of a sudden it gives you a little more added flair to something that otherwise was a pretty generic game. And this game, to be fair, has added – in importance in multitude of ways because not only that, it's also added what Cal doesn't look as inept as maybe mm. one would have wanted to believe. Not saying that beating North Texas by 37 points mean or 36 points, whatever it was, means all of a sudden Cal's going to go 9-3 and three this year, but it at least shows you they do some things well. And if it's not a test, Roberts, at least a quiz yeah. where before they get in the SEC play. So, I, I mean, I think that 
overall, I, I from a neutral point of view, although I'm not neutral at the end of the, end of the day, I do speak on neutrality on sure. here, but you know where I went to school and it was here. Uh, but from if you were looking at a neutral point of view, then you say, well, this game is getting a little 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 bit more zest to it, yeah, uh, than it otherwise would have and and really needed to have. But uh, it's going to be an interesting week for the SEC. We'll get into it a little bit later. But uh, there are some interesting matchups involving SEC teams. This will be a bigger week for the for the league this year. Yeah, or this uh, week, excuse me. It, you know, I I agree. I, I agree in some parts there. It's I, I I'm fine. Like I'm fine with the kids talking a little bit of smack because, like you said, it adds a little bit of flair. The thing I don't the, the smack talk that I don't like is kind of what happened last week where the the clip came out of Brian Kelly saying we're going to beat you know we're we're going to beat Florida State and then he kind of backtracked no I, I I didn't say that it's like well no it was on a statewide radio and your your coach's yeah, show you did yeah. say it so that that's where I I don't like the coaches getting in on it cuz you know if you the, the coach goes out there you know hey your your kid talked this smack earlier what, what do you have to say well you know we respect our opponent and it's you know they're they're, yeah. they're a good program the coach you know you, you, I think the coach can talk a little smack behind closed doors I, I do agree there i think most of the smack talk uh you know you be how res- say this be respectful with your smack talk like the the you know the guy uh, whichever player it was that says when we get the win on saturday that's confidence you know that i, I like that I, I like the confidence there um it, it don't you know don't go out there and you know say oh we're, we're gonna run through them it's gonna be you know it's gonna be super easy and everything that's where you start you know like you were saying cross that line that it's especially in pregame uh when you get into the game it it's a little more lenient like you said don't go yeah. don't go after somebody's mama don't go after somebody's you know <laughs> sister don't go after somebody's girlfriend or anything um but it's you know it before the before the thing, if, if you've got an air of confidence about yourself, like when we get the win, because you know you if from if you're a Cal fan, you're sitting there, you don't want to hear your players say, "Well, if we right. get the win." If you're Auburn, if you know if you get asked if someone gets asked a question about the win on Saturday, you don't want your players saying, "If we get the win," you want them to say, "When we get the win." As fans, you want to hear your players say, "When we get the win," and so. Uh, it's it, it add, like like we were saying it adds a little bit of of juice to the to the to the game that wouldn't normally have a lot of juice to it uh but also you if you're a fan you want your players to have that confidence say we we're going to get this win on saturday sure absolutely we're going to take our first time out of the show when we come back we'll go to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today you're listening to the thursday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 Have your attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is. Hi, my name is. My name is. Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and now T.P. Hammock with us 
on this Thursday edition of the program. Good to have you here, TP. Hope you're well today. I'm doing well. I um, I just got done with classes, so I made sure to uh, get those all in uh, order, and then I made my way here. So I'm excited to uh, talk Auburn football and talk all football and get ready to listen and hear from our callers. Absolutely. So let's get to it on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up today, Die Hard Die. Die Hard Die is with us. How are you, sir? War Eagle. War Eagle. Hey, uh, two things. Um, first one, I'm sure you guys have mentioned this, but uh, just kind of get quick, quick uh, thoughts that why is every Auburn quarterback that leaves Auburn go off and does amazing success? Um, from Malik to now, uh, who's the Texas Tech quarterback? Or Texas State, yeah, TJ Finley even. Yeah, I that, mean, that one's hard on. to figure. Come yeah. on, man. <laughs> that guy, I was hoping he would do good. Um, but, I mean, from Bo, it just it seems like, seems like uh, hopefully we're past that. And I think we are, but... It, we could almost become a joke where coaches and quarterbacks can come here and, you know, go make their life better afterwards. <laughs> um, secondly, um, I'm sure you've done this, but could you just break down for my uh, gambling friends kind of a quick breakdown of uh, how Cal um, could win if they even have a chance? And I'll just hang up and listen. Thanks. Bye. Absolutely. Appreciate the phone call. That is Die Hard Die joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Yeah, the argument for Cal centers squarely around the run game. Again, they had gaudy numbers against North Texas. 56 rushes, 347 yards, six touchdowns. And their leading running back, Jay Knott, 20 carries, 178, two touchdowns, nine yards a carry. So the argument for them is they're going to run it early and often, and they're going to test an Auburn rush defense that was not good last year and was not overly impressed against UMass. The other elements of Auburn's defense against UMass checked the week one box. They forced some turnovers. They had four sacks, so the pass rush was there. Uh, the, the DBs looked pretty good, only a couple uh, of, of rough pass coverage moments. Uh, even the long touchdown pass at the end was off a screen play. So they did a good job in other elements there of defense, but just rush defense. They gave up about five yards of carry to UMass, so they were not uh, overly productive in week one there. And, of course, again, that was the weakness last year. So if you're making an argument for Cal to cover the six-and-a-half or to flat-out win, you're centering around the fact that in a home environment, which, again, it's not going to be all Cal fans. There's going to be a, a good chunk of Auburn fans there. I don't know if it'll be 60-40 Cal or, or 70-30 Cal 60, or 55-45. I don't know exactly where it will fall. Uh, but I still think more, Cal have a few more fans there. Can Cal control the clock? Can they run the ball? Five yards here, seven here, five here. Uh, that would be their path to victory. And of course, Auburn's first you know, really something game, even though Cal's not a huge opponent, certainly above UMass. Auburn's first quiz or test of sorts coming as far as you can go about away from Auburn, Alabama, do they react well to that road trip, to the first trip under Hugh Freeze? So if you're putting together an argument for Cal, it's it centered around those things. I, I also think uh, the the over-under is very uh, small on this one. I think it's an over-under of like 54, I wanted to say. Uh, 55, so it's gone up a point since yesterday. So that's a 28 to 27 type of game, or if you're doing the – the six-point math, six-and-a-half-point math, it's 31-24 to 24 or 31-25. to 25. And I still kind of like the over in that. Uh, we can get the other guys' takes here a little bit later, but I, I, 
I would think that Cal would prefer a lower scoring game because that means running was very successful and it beca- they were able to muck up the game a little bit. Uh, but I still think that would go over the the fifty five line there. So uh, there's there's kind of my takeaway there on the on the line and the the betting part of it, and we'll uh, break that down a little bit more. Uh, throughout the show, but we do have a couple more phone calls, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one 9 and join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all have been talking about the Auburn and Cal uh, game that's going to be coming up this weekend, and I think in our in our favor, I think that Auburn is going to take uh, Cal, they they actually going to take Cal on a um, on a road trip to like the dump. So you know they're going to take the trash out as well. All right, they're uh, they're going to bring some chilly weather out to California, and they're going to call <laughs> Cal trash and take the trash out. Okay, all right. Exactly, because I know that y'all have been talking about like trash talking and everything, and I could I could relate to that as well because you know some people they they have like different ways of trash talking. I mean, you can trash talk in a sporting event. You can actually trash talk when you're playing uh, video games online with your best friends over you know any kind of game, and 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 I really do uh, keep you know keep that as um as it should be because i think this is a good auburn team under uh hugh freeze and um i think what he's really going to do he's really going to bring auburn a national championship and rub it in there in all the other uh coaches faces as well and one of those coaches is our um our rival nick saban i mean once we get that national championship we're going to rub that national championship uh win in alabama's face because this is going to be our year. I mean, I always, you know, seeing, I always turn on Sports Center or the SEC Network, and they always talk about Alabama's going to win another national championship. Alabama's going to win. Alabama's going to do this. Alabama's going to do that. Okay, where where does Auburn stand? I mean, looking at the national championships that we won, we won only two national championships under, you know, the time that Auburn has played. You know, it it says it right on you know, on our on our homepage of Auburn, you know, we we actually have a winning mentality. You can actually see it. You know, we have great athletes that come through Auburn, and once they leave, they leave a huge uh, legacy behind for the next Auburn players to come, or the next Auburn fans to actually come behind us as well. Yeah, no, Auburn definitely tries to maintain a uh, winning tradition. Obviously, Alabama does have <laughs> Auburn uh, lapped, unfortunately, in national titles. But uh, we'll see if Auburn can progress back towards another one there. And you were talking about trash talking. I really like to trash talk people when I play chess. So that's when I like to trash talk. Yes, as well, because I actually uh, I actually do that as well. Um, you know, when we actually play like a big rivalry game like Georgia or Alabama, I always – you know, I always get like when I'm in uh, Brian Denny Stadium, I'm always getting under the Alabama uh, fans' skin. I'm always getting under them and telling them that we have great um, players. You know, former players that played at at Auburn, and I and I was like, okay, name them all, and I start naming like Cam Newton, Pat Sullivan, uh, Bo Jackson, Frank Thomas. Uh, Bonner, and I keep on, and the list goes on and on and on. And I'm like, how do you know these people? Because I'm an Auburn fan. I've seen these people play. I've met these people in person. I know where these people are at all times. I actually met some of these people as well. And they was like, well, do you have anybody else that played at Auburn? And I was like, yeah. 
Teron Reed. He's one of the best football players of all time. He played in he played at Auburn. He played in the NFL. So where I'll tell an Alabama fan how many former Alabama players or um you know, athletes that played at Alabama. Only they'll say only one. Joe Namath. That's it. They don't have nobody else that is out from Alabama. That's it. Just Joe Namath. That is it. Uh, unfortunately, that's not it. They uh, the current quarterback of the New England Patriots is Mac Jones, and he went to Alabama and Tua Tagovailoa played uh, plays for Miami right now. And again, that's just quarterbacks. I would take up way too much time trying to name you all the other position yeah. players. But uh, but uh, I know I like your I like your spirit there. Yes, as well. And then I'm actually looking at for uh, Thursday night football, and I'm actually going to see the. Uh, I'm I'm actually going to say this. I know this is going to make some Chiefs fans. Um, you know, hate me because I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan as well. I think the Chiefs, I think they're going to lose this one at home. With this game being, you know, they're, they're winning uh, the Super Bowl, revealing the Super Bowl banner, getting the rings before the game. I don't see the Chiefs winning this one. I think the Detroit Lions are going to win this one as well. And the final score for this one would be, uh, 48 to 28 as well. So this is going to be in the in the Detroit Lions' favor of winning a huge opener on the road as well. Uh, that would be a very very high scoring NFL game there, and uh, I'm I hope the Lions win, but I do think it'll be a, a tough challenge for them, and it's going to be a tough test of their defense, which struggled last year to face Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. We will see if Travis Kelsey ends up playing. He has a hyperextended knee, and he's still questionable for tonight. Yes, as well, because I did uh, get some more uh, news on Travis Kelsey. They said that he will, he's uh, questionable. So I think they're uh, saying that he's day to day. I'm not quite sure um, how that's going to work for tonight, but I'm not quite sure if they're going to put him out there or they're going to um, put somebody else in that, in that uh, tight end spot um, if Travis Kelsey doesn't play for tonight as well. And uh, again, that's why he's questionable. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how he warms up today, and see if he ends up making the lineup. Well, what else is on your mind today? Well, I've been looking at some uh, Super Bowl predictions, and I've actually got my Super Bowl predictions on who's going to actually meet up in Las Vegas, Nevada, for February uh, 2024. And I will actually have to say this will be Dallas and. Um, Pittsburgh. I would love to see a Dallas Cowboys Pittsburgh Steelers matchup. That would actually be one of the great games of of old classic times. Seeing uh, you know the Pittsburgh Steelers meeting up with my Dallas Cowboys in Las in Las Vegas, Nevada, as well. Two storied franchises for sure, and I know Dallas <clears throat> will have a pretty good chance to be a high seed in the NFC. I'm not sure about uh, Pittsburgh and the AFC. There's just so many good teams, and we'll preview the AFC later today. But uh, definitely two of the most historic franchises in the sport, so we'll see how they do this year. Yes, as well. And then tomorrow I'm actually watching a huge – I'm watching a classic basketball game between the United States and Germany, and I have Germany beating the United States as well because I know this is going to be a really good uh, opportunity for Germany to actually win – 
um, in their home stadium in their home stadium in Germany. So this is really going to be a really good uh, time for Germany to actually win. And I know there's a lot of uh, NBA German players from the NBA that's going to be on that team on Friday as well. I certainly hope Germany doesn't win. I, I hope the United States wins and. They did play a, a game a little bit earlier this, uh, I guess, in the month of August, and it was a close game, but U.S. pulled it out. So very hopeful the U.S. wins and uh, is able to advance to the final of the FIBA World Championships. Yes, as well, because this is, um, you know, this has been a really good road for me to see the uh, FIBA uh, championship uh, games as well. Uh, seeing all the countries actually uh, doing an amazing uh, thing as well, and uh, seeing Puerto Rico actually trying to make it. But I'll I'll just say this: I think Puerto Rico would make a a huge bounce back next year in 2024 as well, and I wish them all the best of luck and uh, in their near um, travels as well. Yeah, next year they'll be it'll be the Olympics, and I'm not sure who all qualifies for it, but I know Puerto Rico didn't go too far into this, so I don't know if they'll qualify for the World Cup or not, or excuse me, for the Olympics or not, but we will see. Yes, as well. And then I'm actually going to be looking at uh, this coming up race in Darlington, and I actually am going to I'm going to see if Bubba Wallace is actually going to win in Darlington because in 2022 he actually won that race in Darlington. So I'm going to see if he's going to win it this year as well because I do have him uh, starting in my fantasy in my NASCAR fantasy lineup as well. Yeah. So so Darlington was last week. Kansas is this week, and it is the track that Bubba. <laughs> won at last year so Bubba did win at Kansas last year and that's where they're going this week but they had that Darlington race last week okay yeah yeah I've um yeah because I yeah because I was uh upset from last week as well so this uh Kansas as well so I have Bubba Wallace uh winning in Kansas as well and then I'm gonna have him winning in Talladega next week as well yeah, a few weeks away from Talladega. I think uh, Bristol will be after Kansas. But, yeah, all coming up here shortly in the playoffs. Any final thoughts for us today, James, before we have to let you go? Um, the only final thoughts I actually have is I would love to see Auburn beat Cal this weekend. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to be rooting. I wish I was out there in uh, in the Bay Area. I wish I was there with my Auburn family, but I'm going to root all the way for a big win for Auburn to win this one as well. And this one is going to be awesome, so I am ready for it as well. So I'm going to stay up all weekend long before this game, so I'm going to drink a lot of coffee just to stay up um, until 9 o'clock to, uh, Saturday night as well. Yeah, it's a late one with a 9.30 kick time. We've not quite seen this before for Auburn, so definitely a different experience for everyone. Yes, as well. And then on Friday, I know it's Flashback Friday, so I'm going to actually uh, probably dig into my uh, – into my uh, trivia church's chest and see what I can actually pull out there as well. So it's going to be, um, I'm actually going to pull something out that I never did in my uh, trivia treasure chest, and it might um, actually take me back as well. All right, James, we'll, we'll wait with that with great anticipation. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, James. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to take our next time out of the show. Back with more Sports Call right after this.
Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday edition of the show. Let's go right back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, Ward Damn Steve. Retire Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? And, you know, I know it's Thursday, but it feels like Friday. How about you guys? I mean, it's 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 getting close. I don't know if I feel like it's Friday yet, but we're getting there. Okay. Hey, TP, it's good to know that you're still attending classes like myself, and uh, I appreciate you can be committed uh, on your perseverance, so uh, stay with it. Well, yes, sir. I, um, yeah, I was thinking of this last night, but uh, throughout my – I'm a senior. This is my last semester at Auburn, but throughout my collegiate career, I've only missed two classes with stomach bug, but that was just the way that I was raised. I hated being late to anything, let alone miss anything. So, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping true to it, though, Steve. Okay, good for you. All right, there are some really uh, – two really good articles I would recommend for any uh, Auburn listeners uh, that they might want to uh, go ahead and read, and you guys as well, on 2.7 today. One's by Philip Marshall. It's about Gunnar Brighton, or Britain, I guess, uh, how he came to come to Auburn. Um, and this is the kind of player that I'd say, uh, from my old school perspective, uh, that I would want uh, to be at Auburn. I mean, he just, uh, the comments he made and what he endured uh, to finally get to, as uh, uh, said, that he earned it. He didn't deserve it, but he earned it. Because he was overlooked by a lot of programs. Uh, but uh, it's a really good read. The other article is uh, having to do with, didn't know this, but Peyton Thorne and Sam Jackson, Jackson actually played with each other, and they're best friends. In fact, Peyton Thorne actually has texted Sam Jackson uh, this week. But uh, according to the uh, article, Sam Jackson said that uh, he has not responded. He um, only read it. He says he uh, doesn't believe in corresponding with the opponent's players, and he was joking, of course. Uh, we say he looks forward to the game. But they uh, played in the same high school team. Uh, Peyton Thorne was the quarterback, and Sam Jackson was the receiver. Yep. So yep. Uh, I don't know if you, you guys knew that, but it's, it's a good read. So I just thought I'd mention those two articles for you. Yeah, I had seen uh, a little bit about Sam Jackson, too. And, uh, by the way, his playing status, he is likely to play on Saturday, too. Okay, well, good. I I, uh, I hope they'll uh, both uh, be uh, – uh, because he said they're best friends. Uh, I'm sure they'll continue to be best friends. Yes. And, you know, uh, I don't mind trash talking, but let's do it maybe after the game. I don't know. But what's the point of it anyway, guys? What's the point of I – mean, I know our guys haven't said anything. I haven't heard, read anything in Twitter or Instagram. Many of our players, have they? Not that I've seen. No, I'm, I'm sure in the locker room privately they're – hyping themselves up, but no, not not out loud. And I think the point of trash talk is just to get underneath the opponent's skin and try to turn that extra energy into a negative. But I, I just don't, you know, again, publicly, I that's not my preferred method of doing that. And I've seen people uh, get penalties on the field, um, maybe not in the NFL, but on college, uh, for trash talking uh, at, at the opponent's players. Haven't they done that? Yeah, well, yeah, basically taunting, yeah. 
Okay. All right. Uh, moving on, guys. Uh, VFL game tonight. Uh, I heard James comments. James, you need to know this, my friend. With Mr. Patrick Mahomes, he is 5-0 and straight up as a starter uh, for the first week of NFL games. And for you betters out there, he is 4-1 against the spread on the first week's games. So I don't know if you guys knew that. I didn't know he was, uh, uh, those stats uh, were that good for him. I think his numbers pretty much any any time are, are going to be really good. But, yeah, no, as you said, perfect on, on the first game of the year. Hi. And then uh, for the really you did this category, uh, according to the people at Bleacher, uh, Bleacher Report, they said this is the worst NFL bet of the season. Have you, have you seen that article or who, who they're referring to? I have not. Well, here it is, guys. I said apparently an opti- or overly optimistic NFL wager was made. A better at BetMGM, hold on to your seats, bet $100 on who? Arizona Cardinals to beat the Houston Texans in the Super Bowl. Yeah. At 10,001 odds, if he were to be correct on that bet, you know how much he'd win? What do you, what do you say the odds were? 10,000. 10,000. Uh. Hundred thousand? What do you win? One million. One million. Wow. Okay, I missed a, missed a, another decimal there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, talk about trash talking. Yeah. But uh, I mean, yeah, know. he's thrown away a hundred dollars, but also like, yeah, you know, <laughs> to win a million, you. I mean, I don't know if you're gonna bet a little something. I would probably bet ten instead of a hundred, but yeah, no, that's uh, it won't happen. But I'm sure he'll be rooting hard for it. Well, one. A uh, person on Instagram made a, uh, a comment on this. He said, makes you wonder why they even take bets like this. But I guess if this bet hit, then 99% of all the other bet money uh, would be lost, and they don't give a, you know, what about uh, the payout at uh, Vegas. Yeah. That's probably true. Yeah. All right. Moving on, guys. Um, how would you like to have your own stadium to have uh, for one night at least, uh, we're talking about the Blue Wahoos Stadium in Pensacola, Florida. Oh, yeah, where they, they're they, turning it into an Airbnb, aren't they? Yes, yes, Brooks, yeah. Well, I'll read the details. And, oh, my gosh. Is it, so if you got the money here, uh, you can do this. For $5,143 per night, you and your lucky guests, lucky guests, well, wealthy guests maybe, uh, get access to the clubhouse, a large bedroom that sleeps 10, a batting cage, and the baseball diamond outfield. And uh, this is, you want to play catch on the field at 11.30 p.m.? Be our guest. Uh, want to have some cold brewskis with the boys? Be our guest. Uh, play ping pong? Want to enjoy at home plate? You can do all of these things <laughs> for, for only 5000 Again, $143. It's a steal, right? Yeah. Uh, minor league marketing is undefeated. Minor league team oh, marketing is undefeated, yeah. Undefeated, okay. So I just thought, you know, hey, if uh, you know some wealthy friends, uh, let them know about it. Well, I was going to say, if you can just get uh, 10 of your fa- – you said it sleeps 10, right? Right. And you can get 10 of your friends and chip in $512 a piece, you all, you know, you can get 10 folks to stay there with you. There you go, Brooks. So uh, just get uh, the rest of your crew uh, on sports call and uh, some other people down your way, and you, you got it. Yeah. Okay, uh, moving on, guys. Uh, 
I saw this. I said, oh, my gosh. Really? Uh, the 49ers, Nick Bosa. Have you seen this? The contract? Yeah. Yep, five for 170. Five years for $170 million. Withhold all to your seats on this one. Even if I get sick and break a leg, I get $122.5 million guaranteed. Yep. Yeah, no, I mean, you that, want to break a leg? That, that, that sounds like it is. Uh, I mean, obviously, for the NFL world, it's a lot. I mean, there's no denying that. But also want to remind, remind you that in most other leagues, most of their contracts are fully guaranteed. It's so the NFL, it's actually the outlier where it's not all guaranteed. Like if you sign five for 170 in Major League Baseball, that's guaranteed. I mean, that you, even if you're on the injured list half the time. So what about the NBA, Ron? Uh, same thing. I mean, yeah, they're, certain they're all guaranteed. Certain contracts can have a special clause, but that is abnormal. Like like when uh, Jalen Brown just signed that five for two fifty or whatever it was for Boston. That's guaranteed, unless there's a special clause in there to protect Boston, which again would be rare. That's all going to Jalen Brown, no matter how he plays. All right, and it says here, according to CBS, that this new deal makes. Bosa, the highest-paid ever defensive player in NFL history. Yeah, yep. Is he that darn good? I mean, for I mean, for this time period, I mean, yeah. I mean, him and Micah Parsons are who I think of primarily as the best uh, defensive players in the league. I know uh, there's uh, I'm forgetting the name of Kansas City's Chris Jones. Chris, yeah, yeah Chris Jones is sitting out right now because he's up there and looking for a bigger payday, but. Again, we, we obviously am I taking Bosa or Lawrence Taylor? I'll take Lawrence Taylor, but again, the you didn't get paid like that back then, so Bosa is top of the top of the heap now. And how old is this guy? Ah, uh, late twenties, twenty eight ish, probably. If I had to guess twenty seven, twenty eight, somewhere in there. So he's still got some years in. Yeah, it's not like running back. He, he he's, he's twenty five years. Oh, old. he's only twenty five. I'm sorry. Yeah, so he's yeah he's got plenty of years. Joey Bose is probably about twenty eight or so. Then his brother. Wow. And you Where know did he played college at guys. Ohio State. So did Joey. Oh. Both Boses. And you wow. know when it when it comes to these big NFL contracts, especially with on the defensive side of things, if you don't, you know, like especially with a guy like uh, Bosa, you know, if you don't pay him, somebody else is going to, and then they're chasing around your quarterback. So you'd rather have him chasing around their quarterback than him chasing around yours. Uh, well, that's what about the salary cap? Uh, what does that do to the 49ers? Nothing. Well, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna have to come up with creative ways eventually. They, there's been a lot of. Uh, a lot of stretching and, and uh, meandering around the cap in recent years by teams like the Bucks and the Rams as they chase Super Bowls. And basically you have to – you convert the contract into a signing bonus, then you stretch it out to where you're technically – that you've given that player the money, but they're counting against the cap even beyond the term of their contract. It gets pretty complicated uh, – complicated, excuse me, but – these NFL GMs have uh, gone to great lengths to try to uh, finesse the salary cap to get the get to keep the players they want to keep as long as they can. Okay, well, I just said, gee, my name must be nice if somebody is guaranteed this money. You don't even have to show up almost. But um, all right, moving on real quickly, guys, because I know uh, Tom, although he's out there today, uh, loves these kind of trivia stuff. So, in honor of uh, Tom and uh, crazy stuff uh, when it comes to food and drinks. This is coming up for Halloween, guys. Do you guys uh, drink Fanta sodas? 
Uh, not not really. I had a. I think I had. Was it a fan of slu- uh, icy yesterday? I, I had, think so. Yeah, I think I had a fan of icy yesterday actually, but uh, but usually don't drink it much. Well, here you go, guys. This comes from Eat This Not That uh, website. In honor of the approaching Halloween season, says Fanta is coming out with a brand new drink that's black in color, and I'm, I'm looking at it. It is black, and it says it's doing it for Halloween. It has uh, zero sugar, but here's the, here's the kicker. The secrecy extends to the actual flavor of the drink, which remains as a mystery. So you'll have to actually drink it to guess what the flavor is. But also do this other thing, because it is Halloween, right? It'll turn your tongue black when you drink it. Mm. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's so I'm creative. I'm looking for it because I said, well, i got to find it then. <laughs> yeah, who knows? You'll have to tell us what it tastes like. Okay, you guys are not going to take the challenge? We might, but... No, well, I, I I like too many sodas to risk it with one that I don't like. So, and Fanta's usually still towards the bottom of the list for me. I'll take a look around. Uh, Brooks, Brooks I, will okay. be adventurous. I like the new stuff. I, I always go and try new stuff. Like today, I tried the, the new um, Chick Fil A milkshake, the the caramel crunch shake. So, I, I kind of like the new stuff. Okay. Well, speaking of food, real quickly, guys, one last freebie for you. Uh, not Chick Fil A, but um, Dairy Queen is starting on. The 11th of this month until the 24th will be offering their medium-sized blizzards for 85 cents, commemorating when the blizzard were first uh, introduced to the public in 1985. I'm down. Yep. I'm there. Same. Sign me up. 85 cents, guys. Yep. Yes, as well. All right. That's all I got. And our team has already left or not? Uh, yeah. Oh, no, the, team, the team, yeah. I think they should have left by now. What is it? Four o'clock? So. Yeah. I mean, I think because unless they want to be getting in it, like, I guess you gain two hours back. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that for a fact. I would think if they've not left, it's any any moment now. Okay. Well, uh, be, this is what I call, a, you know, to me, ideal football weather. It's going to be, I think, in the low 60s at game time. Yep. Be in the 60s. Yep. All right. Well, guys, that's all I've got. Hey, thank you for letting me ramble as much as I did today. So, uh, with that said, have a safe afternoon and evening. And, uh, We'll definitely uh, give it a shot again tomorrow. But until then, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, see, appreciate that phone call as always. That is retired Ward Am Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Just another minute or so left in this hour. Again, reminder coming up in hour number two, we will have some AFC previews for you as the National Football League gets going tonight. This is one of the really the only Thursday night games you can watch on, on linear cable. Uh, as we've been talking about the Spectrum and Disney dispute, uh, this one on NBC. But remember, Amazon Prime has the primary package on Thursday night, so definitely take advantage of this one on NBC tonight. So we'll preview uh, the AFC coming up at the 4 o'clock hour. Also have a sports call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group shortly after that. And we'll get into a couple more college topics as well, such as the decision made uh, with the NCAA eligibility and with the ACC new members, which we were not able to get to. That news broke last Friday. We'll try to get to that for a few minutes today alongside T.P. Hammock and Brooks Childress. I'm Ryan LeMoy, one hour in the books. We continue on right after this.
one hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, Ryan Lavoy, Brooks Childress, T.P. Hammock with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. want to remind you that if you ever miss anything, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast, which is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola tastes the feeling. And, of course, you can find the podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and the Tiger Communications app. All right, so we get going here in hour number two. As got a lot of football to talk about, we'll get to AFC previews in the NFL shortly. Let's talk a little college ball still in the meantime. Uh, not a whole lot going on tonight, as Brooks said earlier, just Louisville and you said Murray State. Yeah. Uh, might be worth watching if it was basketball, uh, but uh, not exactly going to be Excited about it in the football uh, scale of things. Let's talk one more segment here. Haven't talked about it this week. Haven't talked about it since it happened. Putting a bow on the realignment as I don't think much more else can happen of relevance. We still got to see what happens with uh, Washington State and Oregon State. But uh, two more dominoes, two of the last dominoes did officially drop on Friday. Of course, we were not going to talk about that at that moment as we got set for the actual games. Uh, but come on down to the ACC Cal and Stanford and Southern Methodist University, also known as SMU. So that's right. Auburn's playing an ACC game against Cal next year or an ACC opponent. So rest in peace to the, the Pac-12 opponent here. But I, I think that what's been interesting to me, fellas, is that North Carolina publicly against it. Florida State's been trying to get out of the league for a few weeks now. Clemson's not been as loud as the others, but everyone's kind of assumed they want out too. Especially they, after this Monday. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, but I think that what's interesting is, is that after this move was made, the thought is that it's even more likely that these schools leave the ACC. Part of the reason the ACC did this was that there's a there's some more contract language, some clauses that basically incentivizes them to keep the membership up to 14 or 15 schools, and if it does, then it still is guaranteed a certain status and negotiating power and, and all that sort of thing, kind of some vague stuff, but nevertheless some uh, some status things. And I think that at this point, what we just have to admit is if you think think that Carolina 
and Clemson and Florida State are go- are now more gone than ever, then what you're really saying is that there was no chance they were going to stay in the first place, that they just period wanted want slash wanted out of the ACC. Because as we've discussed, probably too much. Some people are probably tired of hearing me ramble about this. But as we've discussed at nauseum, what else were you going to do to create value other than your program's just getting better? Like Georgia Tech stopped being 4-8. and eight. You know, and Louisville get back to a good place. And Miami, how about you get back to a really good place? And Boston College, don't lose to God knows who like you did in week one. Like, like other than that, what else were you going to do? You're not pulling SEC schools away from the SEC. You're not pulling Big Ten schools away from the Big Ten. I don't know. Could you convince Rutgers? Like, he'll be, you'll be more successful here? Okay, who cares? It's Rutgers. No Con- one cares. Convince Maryland to come back? Uh, like, yeah, whatever. Fear the turtle. <laughs> Uh, so you're not convincing schools to come back to you. What else you got? You got everyone else's leftovers to create value. So basically, it's just that these schools don't want to be in this conference anymore. So this domino is important, not because I preached to you, yeah, Cal and Stanford and SMU changed the dynamic of the competitive balance of the ACC. No, it does not do that in the way that some of these Big Ten and SEC arrivals do. But what it does is it sets the stage, I think, for the next round of this, whether that comes five years, ten years, when the new meteorites deal, whatever. I think it sets the next round of realignment up. And, yes, yeah, so you were, thought we were done. No, we're never done, unfortunately. And I want to be done, too, but we're not. Uh, but, guys, big picture there, your thoughts on what it means for the conference going forward. Uh, do you like that it did officially happen and – uh, just, just overall thoughts about uh, these three joining the ACC and what it means. I mean, what is what is a conference now? What is, what are regional <laughs> opponents now? The All Coast Conference, the American Coast Conference, whatever you want to call it, uh, the Pac Two now out there in the west uh, side of the con- country. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's fine. I think the ACC did something that you know they they were kind of sitting on the sidelines of this whole re- realignment stuff until Florida State started to make some noise and uh, North Carolina started to make some noise. There, they were. Uh, it was. Um, it, they were sitting on the sidelines and they were content with what they had for a little bit. Uh, but I, I'm. I agree with you. Uh, your analysis there, Ryan, is that it sets the stage. I don't necessarily think it's a it's a foregone conclusion that Florida State and Clemson and North Carolina and those type of schools are out the door. Like one, they already have one foot out the door. I don't think that's a foregone conclusion. Um, but I, I, you know, I think in, to your point, it sets up in case one or two of those schools leaves, or maybe all three of them leave. You now have three schools that fill that void and you know keeps you at that same uh, level. Again, not the same competitive level because Stanford and Cal and uh, SMU are not overall arching sports. You look at it, they're not all the same on the same level as those three schools uh, competitively, but you keep the numbers where they are. You keep your status as a Power 5 conference. Uh, you do not start heading down the road that the Pac-12 headed down after USC and UCLA uh, left left town last year. Um, but, you know, it's – it's they, they bring some – they bring – they, all three of those programs do bring different things to the table when it comes to the smaller sports. Um, but it, it's – it you know, conferences are, are – realignment's been around forever. It continues to be around. It's going to continue to be around. It's just where the money – where you find the money um, – 
and and yeah, so it's it's I like you know I like the move for the ACC to continue you know to, to keep themselves as a conference and not start to get picked off here. If Florida State and Clemson leave, then you know you you see other you know what we could call predatory conferences now be like, oh, let me take this team and let me take this team and oh, Georgia Tech, you're going to have fun in the Sun Belts and stuff stuff like that. <laughs> you know, um, it's it's it, it sets themselves up to not fall to what the Pac-12 did, which is which is I think where the Pac-12. Uh, they they failed a little bit when they lost USC and UCLA. They were not proactive in going out and getting somebody to f- to keep the conference whole. Say, hey, we we got you know these two have left, and yeah, they were you know that's a big market, LA. But guess what? We grabbed these you know let's say San Diego State and Boise State. We grabbed these two to come in and keep our keep our numbers up. We're still good. They're premier. You know these two are premier group of five schools. Uh, you you grab two school if you're the ACC you you set yourself up not to head back not to head down that road and uh, hopefully prop yourselves up as a as a Power Five conference whatever the Power Five looks like here um, in the next couple years going down the road. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting thing. I think they did the right thing. If you're the ACC, what else could they do? Like you had SMU who was coming in for free for nine years, zero revenue, and. Uh, if you get a chance, read the Ross Dillinger article he just posted today about how SMU got that opportunity. It's really good. And uh, Cal and Stanford, they were left on an island. There was nothing else for them to do. And I think I think Cal and Stanford, this isn't a popular opinion, but I think Cal and Stanford will find that they like the ACC a little bit more than they would have with the Big Ten because I know that was always the desired result for them, but the Big Ten told them no thanks. But um, – I think overall they did a really good job of getting those schools for uh, for such a low or zero revenue. But yeah, I I think though if you look ten years down the line, will will North Carolina, Clemson, Florida State, will they still be vengeful about that? I don't know. Uh, I really don't know. Do I think that they will be? Maybe it's just a weird process, and I think. I think it's a really I think it was a really interesting situation how it was like 12 hours before the uh, alleged vote was going to take place North Carolina doubled down on that they were not going to vote yes that they were very anti against adding these schools so I think overall though the ACC I mean I think they did what they had to do and like Brooks said they didn't make the same mistake as the Pac-12 where whenever you lost to those two schools they didn't immediately go into attack mode and try to get a San Diego State a Boise State even an SMU SMU openly vetted that they wanted to join the Pac-12 but to no avail. It was just if we look at it, I think I think layer down the line, I think they I think this is a safety net for say. I think this is more of a safety net. If those three schools, even if a fourth school leaves, then it's like, okay, yes, we lost them. But we still have a good amount of schools who are still gonna wanna be in the ACC and we can make this work and we may be able to get some group of five school or something like that. So overall, uh like I have said a couple times Good for them. Uh, I think it'll be a pretty good fit. It's a, it's going to take a little while to get used to, and I like the idea that they've thought about where Dallas will be the hub for those Olympic sports so they can still – they don't have to make that terrible flight all the time from the East Coast to the West Coast. But, yeah, uh, I would say thumbs up for the ACC. You had to do what you had to do. Yeah, I agree from the ACC point of view. They, they needed to do this. Again, I just don't know what those other schools are expecting, and I think with – 
North Carolina coming out on the eve, as you said. I think that was kind of when they realized NC State was going to break away from them in the voting and, and vote. But NC State's not valued as much as North Carolina. And North Carolina has a slightly more historic program. It's not night and day, but it's a, it's a little bit higher capacity in football, a little bit better football tradition. And then obviously basketball blows state out of the park. So Carolina is looked at as a, as a different tiered property uh, in the ever-changing game of uh, conference realignment. So it was understood why NC State needed to be a little bit more protective of it than North Carolina. And look, these schools that are been been whiny babies, they get uh, a couple extra million out of this because of SMU foregoing shares for uh, several years and because of Stanford and Cal taking reduced shares. They make three, four, five more million dollars per school, which will more than cover the travel costs. It'll actually still they'll pocket some of it. So... Again, I don't know what else they were wanting to do. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Let's go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line. Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you this afternoon? Doing great, guys. How about you? Doing well. Great, great. Hey, I was hoping this hot weather was gone, but you say what? Maybe down into... Low 60s tonight, huh? Or yep. tomorrow? Yep. Uh, the the lows getting in the low to mid 60s. It's just those highs still getting close to 90. Yep. Yeah, that's crazy. Crazy big change like that. Hey, um, is this ACC expansion with Cal? Is this football and basketball only, or it's all of them? Every sport for all, all three. Yep. Dang. That's crazy. I still, like I say, that just like I say, student athlete isn't in it anymore. It's just athletics because. Like you say, you're you're. I don't understand. A baseball team plays three game series, so they're going to have to travel. And I I guess they have to travel to UCLA or anything else like that too. But it just seems like a lot, a lot of, a lot of travel time for you know students. Yeah, the non the non revenue sports too. Or I mean, yeah, again, that's it's yeah. tough. Yeah, that's crazy. A volleyball team traveling yep. all the way you know across the country for a volleyball game. Uh, but, um, man, like you said, you hit the nail on the head. We, you know, shoot, I thought it was over when South Carolina and dang, uh, uh, Arkansas came in. Uh-huh. I thought, you know, that's, uh-huh. what I, that's what I thought. And that, then, you know, it's just gone from there. But, um, so it's not going to end. So why doesn't dang that SEC? And I'm sure, you know, it's because there's contracts and stuff like that. The SEC needs to just go ahead right now, expand, get Florida State, North Carolina, Clemson, and Miami. That would be my four right now. And uh, and it's not because I think North Carolina and Florida State are top five football programs. I really don't. I don't believe Florida State or old North Carolina is going to be in the top five at the end of the year. But, um, you know, but with the history over, you know, I'm a little older than you all, but I remember when Miami – was something. I mean, baseball, football, you know, basketball, North Carolina, of course, basketball and, and baseball, my, and um, uh, uh, Clemson, you know, uh, they, they've always been good at, in baseball or were good at baseball and stuff. So I just believe they're teams that historically would fit. And gosh, I just, like I say, I don't know how we can get rid of Missouri and Oklahoma. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, that, but And I like to keep Oklahoma because of their football tradition and stuff like that. But it's a lot. You know, play them on a dang, you know, non-conference schedule. But like I say, eventually it's going to get to where 
they're either going to have to add more games or just play a, a conference schedule because you add, like you say, two more teams or four more teams to a conference. Uh, how many would that put? So, so they're going to be at 16 starting next year. So you add all four of those, would be up to 20. So that'd be 20? Yeah. Yeah, so that'd be 10-game schedule, conference schedule, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I, if they're going to add them, I wish they'd just go ahead and do it now. I, I, I was so mad when Florida State didn't come when South Carolina came, you know. So I, um, I, I just wish they'd, you know, at least, at least I could theoretically – still see myself driving to North Carolina to watch a football game or as far as Miami to watch a football game. I'm still not going to Oklahoma and Missouri. <laughs> not, you know, but then again, they don't need my money. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure somebody's going to make it. Like you said, you think you – I'm curious to see the, the Auburn's fans mm. at Cal. Yeah. I want to see if it's over 50%. That is a long way to go. Or it's not like you're playing in the championship game this time. Right. You know what I'm saying? This is against Cal. So I just want to see how many people are actually going to make that trip because, I mean, it still costs money to fly. And he, I can't believe there's that many that have their own planes, but you'd be surprised, I guess, okay? But, um, uh, man, one more thing real quick. Sure. I saw that this morning uh, about Bosa. And so what's he get? 30 $2 million a year? I didn't do the math that quick. 35 Yeah, about 30 34 I believe, yeah. About 34 yeah. Yeah, and I remember, and I, we've talked about it, what, when the Boz got, what did he get, $10 million for 10 years? Something like that. I go, they can't pay him that. You know, <laughs> or, or Rich Rod getting $10 million a year. Uh-huh. You know, $100 million for 10. Oh, they, there's no way they can pay it. I just... I guess that's why a beer costs twenty dollars now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> that could be part of it. I mean, it is that, but I don't understand how the Falcons do it. I mean, seriously, I I, I don't go to many pro uh, uh, or or Falcons games or anything like that. But even at the stadium, there, you know, they they do have reasonably priced uh, concessions. Yeah. At, at uh, the new stadium. I, I'm surely you all have been there. Yes. But, yeah, it, I couldn't imagine going to a Yankees game. Or I think Steve came up with this thing. Of course, Steve came up with it. He thing uh, um, about the concession prices at different locations and stuff. Yeah, you know, it, you, it's hard enough to go to a, a football game. I mean, you'd have to get a loan to go to a football game. But if you're a, a Braves fan or something like that, a season ticket holder, you know, and you're golly, I couldn't afford to eat there. So, but either way, uh, the people are going to keep paying it, and dang, and that's what I'm saying now is we're going to end up eventually getting more teams and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I think we should just go ahead and get them now, and then and and well, I'd say be done with it. But then there'll be twenty twenty team uh, leagues, so it'll never stop. But those are the four I'd like to see right now. But, sure. Hey. You all have a great program, and uh, I'll talk to you all probably later on this week. Sounds good, Jeff. Appreciate the phone call. All right. Bye now. That is Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Appreciate Jeff for calling in there. Yeah, we'll respond to a couple of those things. I think that those four would make a lot of sense. I don't know if you guys would have someone other than those four. Um, I think the issue continues to be that – Sankey really genuinely does not want to do this. And I, I can't stress that enough because look, look at it. Like 
Florida State is begging the SEC or the Big Ten, please, I want to be more monetary value. I want to be in the biggest of the big. Florida State is publicly wanting this, and yet no one's acting on it so far. At some point, it, someone will act on it. Jeff's right. Like At some point, the SEC or Big Ten will we'll go ahead and do this. And it, it might take a, a long time. It might take a decade or more. But at some point, it'll get, it'll get even bigger. It's it's pretty fair to speculate on that at this point. But again, I think the reason is, is like I think that there is some sort of acknowledgement from the SEC that this is not ultimately what's best for the game, uh, to have two or three huge conferences and that's it. That's not why the sport is special to begin with. And so I think that there's been real hesitation for them to do this now look you can still say well they still took texas and oklahoma and look that's a fair point texas oklahoma did come to them again it was not the the other way around uh, but they did ultimately take them and they took missouri and a&m from the big 12 earlier so on some level when it's absolutely necessary again the sec will do it if they feel they need to do that to stay on top so again they're kind of monitoring what the big 10's doing and that sort of thing and if the big 10 adds then the sec is going to want to feel like they need to add but otherwise if they if they will just both stay put which they won't but if they did if the (laughs) sec and big 10 said okay we're done no more, never again, as long as I have a breath in my lung, we're not expanding anymore, then this thing would stop in the meantime. Because Florida State ain't going to the Mountain West. <laughs> Florida State's not going to the American the or, or, or the Sun Belt or whatever. They're not doing that. It'd be millions they'd lose. They're not doing that. It's, that, it's about the money. And so if they would just stay strong, then we would stop for a long period of time until there was a new commissioner, new regime, and all that. Uh, so, again... It's, it, they understand the gatekeeping part of the sport, but unfortunately someone at some point will make a move and then the other one will blink and then they'll make a move and then this will start up again. Uh, what do you what do you think about that? What do you think about if the SEC was adding more, did, did uh, Jeff's four, Florida State, Miami, Clemson, North Carolina, did that make, make sense to you? Yeah, I, I agree. I wish it would just go on and get over with, get the anticipation over. But, it, you know, sadly it doesn't work that way. But uh, I think you're right. I think, you know, that the SEC realizes that they, they don't want to, but they, they're probably going to have to. And uh, I did a – I remember I was doing a research paper last semester, and I remember I read – that uh, from on three, that Florida State is more Florida State and Miami are more aligned with the Big Ten than they are with the SEC, which was very, very surprising to me, especially for Florida State. But it did make sense whenever I started diving into it. But yeah, I think I think the SEC they may not want to, but they realize they're probably going to have to. And I think it'll be really interesting to see if you know who those other programs are. And I mean, even the Big Ten, they seemed like before that first week of august they seem pretty content i mean they had their big 10 media day they were just like yeah we're kind of we're just kind of chilling right now we just we wanted the la schools we got them that's about it but then whenever oregon washington are uh, banging on your door help 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 you know we'll take anything we can get right now and so you just have to take them in so i don't even know if the big 10 was really ready to take them in but they they did so i think they realized that there was a growing need for them and the money wise so it all boils down to money but yeah i think it'll be really interesting to see how it goes but the acc is uh it's, it's going to be in trouble, it feels like. Even though they did just add three schools 10 years down the line, I don't think it'll look like the same ACC. 
Yeah, when it first off, when you, you know you look at the four schools that that Jeff threw out there, obviously those make sense. Uh, the only other school that I would say maybe. Uh, you know, if, if you don't want, you know, if you don't take Miami as Georgia Tech just because they're a regional rival with Georgia, they were in the SEC at one point, you bring them back in. Now, they don't matter as much football value as Miami, um, but, you know, in, in the, the, the other sports, the lesser down sports outside of football, uh, you know, Miami's had more basketball success lately. Um, and, but other than that, I, I feel like they're on the same playing field with, with everything else. Uh, the football is the biggest one, though. And and I'll tell you what, though, if football doesn't get, you know, if, if all, Miami football doesn't pick it up, it's not like this is the, the Miami Hurricanes of the 80s and 90s where it's, you know, they're, they're selling out stadiums and everything. They're having a buy one, get one sale this week to get people to the Texas A&M game. And then you get the, the that's a pretty big game. I think, I mean, you should be it's the, to go is it the Georgia tech game? I think that yes. you're getting the free ticket too. So it's like, you're going to buy, you're going to pay people to get to your games to, to, uh, to come to those, those football games. Um, so it, Miami football, although it's the big, you know, everybody recognizes it as the big brand. It's kind of like uh, Nebraska where it's they're They are a big brand. You know who they are, but they're not on the, the they're, they're just, they haven't, they're, paying people to get to your your uh to the games now anyway when it comes to uh you know the the expansion here uh it's i don't know you know sankey i I think has just been been very you know saying we're not gonna go unless people come to us and I, i think down the road here i think clemson and florida state and north carolina if they are truly are uh bound and determined to leave the sec or leave the ACC, they'll give the SEC at least a call. It's not like the you know they they recognize the brand there. They 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 know the Big Ten is, is a big brand too, but they also know uh, that it's it they're a big brand. They know that there's two conferences right now that were on the you know, two Power Five conferences that were in the hunt for new members. Pac-12, which is basically dead now, it's the Pac-2, and so you're not going to, you know, unless you you get a, you know, if you're Clemson or you're at Florida State and you get a, a, you can pull quite a few other teams with you, you're not going to try to go rebuild that conference. And then the ACC is the only other Power 5 conference, well, the Big 12, but the Big 12 is not, doesn't seem like they're adding a lot. They're, they're kind of like, all right, we're good. They didn't, we got Utah, we got Arizona's, we're, we got Colorado back. We're, we're kind of good right now. The Big Ten, as you were saying, TP, was kind of in a – was transitioning into the, the SEC. Hey, we're good. If anybody calls us, yeah, and Oregon and Washington called. They're like, all right, come on over. You called us, let, we'll, we'll ring you in. And so I, I feel like you're gonna, they're going to be the ones to make the phone calls. I don't think any other conference is going to call them right now. Maybe a few years down the line, you get closer to that, that TV, the renewing the TV deal. Maybe you get some calls from other conferences saying, hey, I know you're not happy with that TV, you know, what's going on there. You want to come on, slide on over here. But, you know, right now, I think that that it's going to take another conference stepping up and doing the call again. I don't know if the, the, obviously the SEC is not in that position right now where they want to call people. And I think the Big Ten, uh, even before the Oregon and Washington move, was kind of in that same area of like, we're good. We're, you know, we're, we expanded. We reacted to the S, what the SEC did. Uh, but then they got the call from Oregon and Washington and they they took it just like the SEC took the call from Texas and Oklahoma. And so um, it, it's, it, it feels like that's, you know, you're going to have to get somebody to reach out to those other schools to get more movement right at this moment. Well, and again, like half the conferences can reach out, but it would make any sense. Like you, the Sun Belt can call Florida State all they want, 
it, it's not happening. Yeah. You know, and the AAC can call they want. It's not happening. The AAC actually finally made a misstep. In my opinion, uh, if you were really going to the deep dive of this, it, we're still trying to figure out what happens with Washington State and Oregon State. The AAC is not interested. It's not going to be the AAC. So we're pretty much looking at, does the Mountain West just mer- – is there a merger? Does the Pac-12 poach Mountain West and stay alive? Does Mountain West just get Oregon State and Washington State come over and officially kill, kill off the Pac-12? That, that's really your scenarios. But the AAC didn't want Oregon State and Washington State. I guess you travel, and they're now targeting Army to join in. And, again, Army was in a conference several years ago in CUSA – but I, I just think that's a bad move. I think they should have. I think they should have just brought in uh, Washington State, Oregon State for for getting the travel because it, again, it's about posturing long term, and you would have needed that to. If you've gotten Washington State, Oregon State, you would have put yourself front of line of all the group of five right now. You would have officially because I, right now you can make arguments for the Sun Belt and the Mountain West with the AAC. we we got to figure all this out for the next couple of years and see where it actually falls. It's not a foregone conclusion the AAC is the top group of five. They still obviously want to be, but Tulane, Memphis, UAB, UTSA, you know, uh, North Texas, Florida Atlantic, East Carolina, like, yeah, you know, traditionally maybe some of those above the, the Sun Belts because, I mean, the Sun Belts will have been around as long as most most aspects, but it's not clearly better. might be a little better. And same thing with Mountain West. Like, you got Boise, San Diego State, et cetera, Fresno. Uh, but if they'd gotten Washington State or Oregon State, there would have been no argument. And then when the TV rights come up, do you try to pitch a juicy contract structure? Say, if you all come over here, then what you'll make over here will be comparable to what you'd make over there, and then all of a sudden you can play by new rules that you like better and own this conference kind of thing. That might have might have at least been worth an interest. But now, like if you just moved those four ACC schools into the AAC, the a- ACC would still have as much value even without those schools. And then obviously with those schools, they'd clearly have infinitely more value than the AAC. So I just I didn't get that move from Oresco and the AAC to target Army. I mean, cool for Army, Army Navy, same conference. They'll, pl- they'll still play every year, but probably won't be a conference game. Won't count with the conference record. It's going to be weird. Uh, so still waiting on Washington State, Oregon State. But again, Cal, Stanford, and SMU bound for the ACC. Almost done with realignment for this very lengthy and impactful round. But uh, again, what will it set up down the road? Again, I think the ACC will be the conference to watch. We're going to take, well, our first time out of hour number two. When we come back, we'll get to Sports Calls Player of the Week. We'll also get in to some National Football League projections. NFC was yesterday, AFC up today with the NFL starting tonight. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. Coming up in just a couple short minutes, we are going to get to a rundown of the AFC, similar to how we did it with the NFC, with a quick breakdown, five to ten minute breakdown of each division. But first, as we continue on with the show, we want to reveal this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. Braves DH Marcelo Ozuna is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Ozuna continued his hot streak going 10 for 27 over the seven-game stretch, hitting four homers and driving in eight runs. Behind an excellent effort from Ozuna and the rest of the Braves lineup, the Braves went 6-1 over this past week, including taking three out of four in Los Angeles in the biggest series of the season so far. Marcelo Ozuna is Sports Call's Player of the Week. So back-to-back for the first time in a very long time. I cannot recall uh, when it last happened. I know it happened sometimes in previous years, but Marcel Zuna wins Sports Call Player of the Week. He had a lot of competition this week. It was a split vote. There was a, I know there's a Shador Sanders vote. There was definitely a Travis Hunter vote. I don't think Penix of Washington got anything, uh, but Marcel Zuna winning it for a second consecutive week. I read or I heard on the broadcast two nights ago, Obviously, these two games against the Cardinals not going as well. But I heard two nights ago that in the previous like 23 games Ozuna had played, he was hit 420, uh, and he's gone 3 of 8 in the last two games combined, so he's still probably hitting around 400, basically almost a month now. It's ironic that he's up to about 25 or 26 games of hitting 400 because 25 or 26 games is about how long he was hitting 080 for to start the year uh, before he got turned around in in early May. Uh, So Ozuna wins it. Uh, TP, I know that uh, would you have vote? Would you have gone uh, Hunter, or would you have gone Ozuna, or who would you have gone this week? Personally, I probably would have done Shador. Okay, but I I respect the Ozuna pick because he was just so dang good. I mean, he was just so good. I mean, like you know, there was no wrong answer there. But I think Shador had a monumental game. Maybe it was just. I mean, I just did not expect that out of him. Maybe it was just more surprised, but. You know, but uh, yeah, Ozuna, like you said, that's that's incredible. And now you gotta think about it though with the Braves is um, he's doing so well. And next year, correct me if I'm wrong, he has one more year left on yes. the deal, right? So it's just that Which is, they've gone from not picking that up to absolutely picking that up. Yeah, yeah, it's just like it's interesting to see. I'm very interested to see what his next contract will be if it is with the Braves, unless they unless he's asking him for too much money or something else happens, maybe off the off the field. But yeah, good good for him. Like I I have said on here many of times, I felt really bad for him whenever he's getting booed all the time, and Twitter was destroying him and. And I understood why he was batting under a hundred, and it was really bad to see. But you know, it, it wasn't helping the case. But he he just snapped out of it. It was like once the calendar month hit May, it was like, oh yeah, I remember how to hit a baseball. And he's been fantastic ever since. He's been really good and good for him. Uh, really happy to see him uh, do well with the Braves after a slow start. Usually, don't get a second chance after a slow start. Usually. You know, you, you get benched or you get DFA'd or you get traded, but he the Braves stuck around, and they are definitely reaping the rewards from it. So Marcel Azuna wins back-to-back Sports Call Player of the Week. He is hitting cleanup tonight. Braves have lost two in a row. So have the Dodgers, though. They've lost two games to the Marlins, uh, and both teams, I think, uh, 
going on emotional low after the emotional high of uh, that four-game series in L.A. I think both teams have kind of taken this first series of the next week off. Uh, as the Cardinals, or excuse me, the Braves, I think it was the biggest upset victory of the year last night in terms of betting odds uh, that the Cardinals were able to, to to beat Atlanta last night. So Marcel Zuna, back-to-back sports call player of the week. So let's get into uh, NFL now. Let's get into the AFC conference as yesterday we looked at the NFC. We'll kind of go division by division again. The AFC is more fascinating, in my opinion. Look, the teams for the most or, or the the team, everyone's teams yesterday was in the NFC, and particularly the NFC South. And I know we're more diverse here today. Uh, but objectively speaking, despite where my team plays, the AFC is the better conference. They've got more teams that could win the Super Bowl. They've got more fun teams and more interesting teams. I, I think that they're in the NFC, there's two, maybe three teams that can make the Super Bowl, in my opinion. Only three that can even make it, in my opinion, unless something shocking happens. In the AFC, I would pretend I would say there are probably I'd say five teams that could make the Super Bowl, maybe six. And then even teams seven and eight are at least intriguing enough to watch. I wouldn't put them as good chances of making the Super Bowl, but someone like a Miami is at least worth watching, even if they're not going to the Super Bowl. They're so fun offensively. So there's some real teams here. The only division where I'm not sure there's a true Super Bowl contender is the AFC South. So we'll start there. Jacksonville, Tennessee, Houston, Indianapolis. I think much like the NFC South, two teams that will be vying for that playoff spot, two teams that are just not going to be very competitive this year. Different reasons in the AFC South. The NFC South teams, I guess Bryce Young new to Carolina, but Tampa's just in a transitional mode. AFC South, both those teams have their quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson, and, uh, of course, C.J. Stroud for Houston, but still just way too early for either one of those teams, I think. So Tennessee and Jacksonville, what do you guys think of, uh, of those two in particular? Well, I mean, I think really it's, you know, it, it may come down to how Derrick Henry holds up uh, for, for that Tennessee squad. I know you added DeAndre Hopkins over the, the offseason, but uh, he's still a, an older wide receiver, and so he's, he's not going to be that – uh, he's still not going to be that you know young game breaker that you you're used to him being in, in the past years, um, and so you know Derrick Henry and I know he hasn't had a lot of injury history, uh, but he's he's still getting older. He's still a running back, and so it, it's just it, you know you you can't lean on that forever. Uh, and you know you've looked at it, we've talked about it a lot on this program here recently that the the value of the NFL running back is going down and down and down, and and so it, it it's going to get to a point here where that's Tennessee can't just lean on that anymore um so i I think if if jacksonville can take a step forward i think that this could uh this could be their division this year um and you know you you, like you were saying you look at the other two teams in the in the uh in the conference they've got their quarterbacks you know uh, indianapolis seemed more confident in their pick too with anthony richardson go ahead and naming him starter really early in the in the preseason and they kind of i don't know you know you, you never really know how much of a quarterback battle it actually is but they let that they they let that quarterback 
quote unquote battle go in Houston for a while until after the third preseason game. Then they're like, all right, CJ Stroud's our starter. And so it's like, all right, well, are you, you sure? Like you were, were you confident? And so you, you know, it, it could have just been, you know, Hey, we just don't want to, you know, show our hand too early. And it's like, why you're not going to be that good anyway. So, um, but yeah, if, if Jacksonville can take, take next, you know, next step forward, I think, uh, Doug Peterson is a, is a, is a good football coach. Obviously he won a Super Bowl in, in, uh, Philadelphia. And if he can continue to help develop Trevor Lawrence, you, know, you saw Trevor Lawrence in college. And I know, you know, when you, when you look at football in the ACC, especially for Clemson, uh, you know, they were the cream of the crop. There wasn't a team the there was the second place team in, in the ACC was still a Canyon behind them. But when you got into the playoffs, you saw him play. You saw him go toe to toe with some, with the best teams in in the S, in the in I say the SEC in the uh, in college football, and and they won. Uh, and so you know, there's the talent there. You, there was a reason he he hadn't lost a uh, a game in high school as a starting quarterback, and then into college there was a, you know, quite a bit of ways that Trevor Lawrence hadn't lost a game, um, but. It's you know if, if Doug Peterson can continue to help develop Trevor Lawrence this year, uh, I, I think that they can they can make some noise and they can win that that division. Um, Tennessee, although you know Tennessee is they've got weapons. Um, if Derrick Henry stays healthy all year, uh, you know they they are going to be trouble for a lot of teams. But you know it, like you were saying, Ryan, it, it's basically a two team race here for for this one, and and it really I think it depends on if Trevor Lawrence can continue to take that next step if Jacksonville is going to be the can can win this division. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Personally speaking, I think it's a tale of two tapes between Jacksonville and Tennessee. I think the Jaguars are really young, and they're really starting to get into their prime with that head coach, and they have a lot of support down there, and they're buying in, and they they have Trevor Lawrence, who's an emerging star, versus the Titans, who I feel like got older, and I feel like they didn't really get much youthful. I know Derrick Henry's, like you said, it's going to come down to if he's healthy or not. If he's not healthy, I don't think they're going to be very good at all. But I think it just seems like it's the passing of the, you know, the changing of the guard, for say. I think Jacksonville's got – I think they should definitely be favored in this division because, personally speaking, I just don't see it with Tennessee. I don't see, like, that pop anymore. I think people realize that Ryan Tannehill is more of a game manager than a game breaker. So – and Derrick Henry is always going to be Derrick Henry. But outside of DeAndre Hopkins, I know uh, – Traylon Burks, I'm pretty sure he's still dealing with an injury, but I could be wrong. Uh, but I know that that receiving core, for the most part, is very uh, light. So I think I think this is the Jaguars' division to lose, and I think the Colts and Texans are going to be rebuilding. Uh, I think the Colts will need to be patient with uh, Anthony Richardson just because if he starts off terrible, don't be surprised because you know the NFL is a learning curve. A lot of people start off terrible, and they turn out to have great careers. So... Don't jump off the boat. And same for the Texans with C.J. Stroud because both of those rosters are not very good. So it's going – It's don't worry about it this year. Just worry about next year at this point. You know, we're not even a game in. But, yeah, I think this is the Jaguars' division to lose. Yeah, now that the Colts will even have Jonathan Taylor, I mean, they're, they're going to be fighting the same battle as the Texans will be. You know, I, I think people – I'm not as sold as ja- on Jacksonville as everyone else is. I think everyone assumes the next logical step is that they're going to go up to 11 or 12 wins and be without reach of Tennessee. But again, with all the problems Tennessee had last year with everything passing, they still had Josh Dobbs, I get LOL, but they had Josh Dobbs 
almost be able to make enough plays to beat Jacksonville straight up and get the two teams tied up at 8-9, and nine, which would have been Tennessee division. So Tennessee, they finished technically two games back, but it was that game at the end of the season that decided it. They would have had a tiebreaker. So they were moments away from making the playoffs, just a few plays here and there in that one game. And so I don't think they're too far gone because I don't think the quarterback play can get worse than last year. I I think Tannehill was the worst version of himself. Do I think he's a great quarterback? No, I do not. But I do think that, as you saw the year before when they were the one seed in the AFC, I do think he's capable of more than what he gave last year. And also, by the way, he was hurt uh, for several games. You had Malik Willis, who was just downright bad. Uh, That's what caused Josh Dobbs to play. And so I think that you can get a little bit better version of this passing game. And look, I think DeAndre Hopkins is not top three or five receiver in the league anymore. I'd still put him top 10 or top 15. I think he's being sold a little bit short. He would, If he would not been suspended last year and out for the beginning of the year, uh, he would have been a 1,000-yard receiver last year, even with a kind of a, a, a horrible passing attack from Arizona. So I think that he can still have another one or two really good years in him. So I think the path's there for Tennessee. Yes, you do worry that Derrick Henry is 29 years old. You do worry that uh, at any time now, it could be it. Remember, he broke his foot in 2021, and I was really worried he would not come back well last year as a bigger-bodied running back, but he still ran for 1,500 yards last year. It's going to happen at some point, but if you want to make the argument he's got one or two more really good years in him, look, he's been bucking a lot of trends with just how big he is at that running back position. So I think Henry can still have another productive year. They can have a little bit more of a passing attack. Their defense with Rabel is always solid. Uh, so I think it will be competitive. I lean towards Tennessee, actually, in the two, but I certainly understand why everyone loves Trevor Lawrence and, and Doug Peterson trying to develop him further. Uh, I do think that it's no small thing that Jacksonville has Calvin Ridley now, too, by the way. I think Calvin Ridley was really good with Atlanta. I think that, obviously, his issue why he didn't play was not injury-related, and so that means he really just kind of got a year off in his mid-20s, and so he should be primed for a really good year. Uh, And then, by the way, I think Tank Bigsby's going to be pretty good as a rookie. So, again, I totally get the argument for Jacksonville. I just think that Tennessee, look, all they have is to go for it for one more year because they've got – uh, coach has been there a while. They've got an older quarterback. They've got an old running back. They run the ball a lot. The team, as you guys said, is a little older. Like this team is built for one last division title here before they get swelled up by the potential of of Houston and Indianapolis, and then eventually Jacksonville uh, taking over. So again, you look at some franchises around the league, and you just expect that. They're going to have something go wrong, and that's kind of how I feel about Jacksonville. Like, I don't trust that a Jacksonville team with pretty high expectations is actually going to to live up to those expectations. But, again, on paper, certainly see it with them. And, again, if Trevor Lawrence takes that next step, that would be a big deal. Again, Indy's going to be really bad. Uh, Richardson, he might have the worst completion percentage in the league this year. Like if you, I don't know what I don't know what the betting line would say about that, or what you'd have to lay and that sort of thing. But a random bet I might take is of all quarterbacks to start at least 12, 13 games, who has the lowest completion percentage in the year? I'd go Anthony Richardson. He's going to make a hell of a lot of fun rushing plays in between all that. But he was like a fifty-some percent passer at Florida. I don't see how he'd all of a sudden become a sixty-five percent passer in the NFL. And then with Houston again, I really like C.J. Stroud. I think he was on the same level as Bryce Young as a prospect. I think Houston will really not. 
not be regretting at all that uh, they ended up being the number two pick instead of the one pick. But again, the team around them not very not very good, not a lot of hope. Sure, pretty easy schedule because it's the NFC South that they're paired with in the NFC. And again, playing in the AFC South, there's nothing that you just absolutely cringe at. So they might get a couple more wins than you realize, but I just don't think against when they do play good teams, they'll be overly competitive. We are out of time for the second hour of the show, but we still have three more NFL divisions in the AFC to click on. And also our, our sports car, excuse me, sports call five at five, easy for me to say, is coming up at the top of the five o'clock hour. Those will be five items about the AFC. And wink, wink, hint, hint, it's about the most important position on the field. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Thursday afternoon. About to continue previewing the AFC and the NFL as I do have some breaking news that Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey will not play tonight. So if you have him on your fantasy team like Tom Peavy does, who's not on the show today, uh, you need to get him out of the lineup because he is not playing after hyperextending his knee. Could have been a lot worse. Uh, still going to be week to week, but hyperextending the knee at practice earlier this week. It's time for the Sports Call 5 at 5. It does pertain to the NFL. It's brought to you by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends, and Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at selandgroup.com. It's going to be a very quick sports call 5 at 5 today because it's about the top five, not in any particular order, AFC quarterbacks were five. Honestly, five of this. I mean, there might be one that I left off because there is one that I left off because there's only five. And yet there's a lot of really good quarterbacks in the AFC conference. So let's kick it off with number one, Patrick Mahomes, obviously Kansas City Chiefs star who 
will be leading the defending Super Bowl champions, now two-time Super Bowl champs there in Kansas City against Detroit tonight. And so Patrick Mahomes will be another one of those MVP favorites. He will be right at the top of the list, and his team will be hard to beat this year. Number two is one person that was able to beat him two years ago. It's Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals. He will be ready for the season to start. He got injured at the very beginning of the preseason, did not play in the preseason, but he will be available to play Cleveland in week one. So Joe Burrow looking for another big year. Number three. Josh Allen in Buffalo. He's had a couple years where expecting them to take the last step. Is this the year that Buffalo can take that last step into the Super Bowl? Josh Allen's been balling out for a couple years now, uh, and he leads a really group, a good group of quarterbacks in the AFC East. Next up. Number four. Speaking of the AFC East, Aaron Rodgers. New York Jet collision course. Usually... We knew Rodgers would be in a green in the NFC, but he's taking his green to New York. He will be a Jet, and he will have a very interesting impact on the Jets this year. We'll see if New York can expound upon their successful defense from last year. And last up in the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number 5. It's Justin Herbert of the Los Angeles Chargers. Herbert, we all agree, very, very good, but is his head coach holding him back? I think most people would agree he is. Uh, Just a coaching conundrum for the Chargers, Brandon Staley, but uh, certainly L.A. is still a team to watch, and Justin Herbert is a lot of fun to watch. And so those are five of the top quarterbacks in the AFC left off the list. Lamar Jackson, who just made a lot of money. Deshaun Watson, who in Houston was a really, really good quarterback, top five quarterback in the NFL. Tua Tagovailoa, who was playing really good in Miami before he got concussed, not once but twice last year. The quarterback play in the AFC is damn good. I mean, of the I just named eight guys. Those are probably eight of the top 11 or 10 and the entire NFL, and they're all in the AFC. So we went through the AFC South, got that out of the way, because, well, they're one of the divisions that don't have a top eight or nine, although Trevor Lawrence would be pretty close to that. He'd probably be, I don't know, ninth, 10th, 11th, somewhere in that equation. So, again, maybe nine of the top 11. We just keep going up and up, other than, like, Jalen Hurts and one or two others. They're all in the AFC. So let's go on to Brooks's division now. AFC East. No, we don't have to talk about it. We need to talk about it. It's a good division. Patriots, Dolphins, Bills, and Jets. Yeah. Patriots now looking like they could be last in this division. Uh, although I don't think a bad and competent team. I think they do lack in a couple of skill areas, which has been the case the last few years. I think the defense will still be good. Mac Jones needs it's kind of in a prove it year. Uh, it needs to be pretty good at least this year. But you're looking at Miami when two was healthy last year. It was one of the best teams in the league. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, a lot of fun to watch. Um, New York was not a bad team last year, even with bad quarterback play. I mean, they were tr- trotting out Zach Wilson one week. Then it was Joe Flacco. Uh, then it was it Mike White or who somebody else last year too. And they still go seven and ten, which is not awful. They were in a lot of games. And then, of course, you've got Buffalo, who won the division last year, um, was really good. I don't think they were necessarily underwhelming, but, again, they didn't get it done in the postseason. They went 13-3, and had the Bengals game canceled, obviously, because of the DeMar Hamlin situation. He is on their active roster, by the way. He did make the, the, the 53. 
for Buffalo. So, guys, this looks like a division where you could argue no one would go, if not under 500, not vastly under 500. Uh, gonna be gonna be one of the more, I think, one of the more complete divisions in all of football. That's the thing about the AFC East is, like you said, it, it's the the. I hate to say it, but the New England Patriots seem like they are the team now that is the the quote unquote the worst team in the division. They're they're you know, you you look at it and they they have some strong possibility they finish last, but it's not like they're a bad team. It's not like a few years backwards like you look at the uh, the AFC East and you say oh the Jets are the worst team and they're fighting for a number one pick or oh the Dolphins or the or the Bills are the worst team and they're fighting for a, a top five top ten pick. Uh, the Patriots are a team that. At the end of the year, they could finish last in this division, but still end up, you know, 13, 14, 15, somewhere around that pick area where they're they're still a you know a, a decent team. You got you you know you get to win some games. It's just everybody else is kind of the. It's it's really after you know you Buffalo or after Tom Brady uh, left New England, Buffalo immediately stepped up to the plate and they're like all right we got a quarterback we're gonna we're gonna start running things and then it became an arms race between the other two the the other two teams there with the uh, the jets taking a few years to get into it but they you could see the jets trying to rebuild it wasn't like they were you know drafting and saying all right let's see if this works they were actively trying to get players they were actively trying to rebuild the dolphins actively trying to get better actively trying to to rebuild um Firing coaches left and right, trying to get you know, trying to get everything. When they saw that, they they when they saw Tom Brady leave the division, and they saw that uh, the Patriots take that step back uh, the first year without him, everybody in the division said, "We've got a chance now. We got a chance to step up here and, and make some noise." And I think they all did. Like you said, the Patriots are a team that they're going to have a really good defense this year. It, it's the offense that's going to be the question mark. They've tried to fill in some of those holes. You you look at their offensive weapons. Uh, if you compare it to like two years ago, it's better caliber players, but it's still not the the number one wide receivers, the number one running backs, the number one tight ends that you you need to win win the, uh, not just a Super Bowl, but just this division. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be an interesting one. The the Jets have really I think the Jets have done a lot. Uh, like I said, a lot in the last few years, and then. the that's a go for it. They're they're going for it with this Aaron Rodgers thing. They got him what a two year deal right now. Yeah. Uh, they're they're you know I don't know if Aaron Rodgers it, and that's the thing is it's a two year deal with Aaron Rodgers and then after that everyone kind of assumes he may retire. It's like he's going to give it two years here in New York. If it doesn't work out, all right, he's he's done. And so you Jets are trying to win it now. The Dolphins, you know, you you're trying to figure you're trying to win it now, but you're also trying to figure out if you can keep going forward with Tua. I mean, he's been hurt the last few years. You mentioned it. Uh, concussions plagued him last year. I hope he does fine this year, mainly because I'm on my fantasy team. Um, <laughs> but it, it's the Dolphins really. They're trying to compete. They've added a lot of weapons around Tua, uh, but they're trying to make sure that Tua is going to be their quarterback for the going forward. Because if not, they've got to pivot really quickly, or else they're going to get left in the dust uh, with with the two teams at the top. And then the Bills. You know, they're uh, the Bills are, are even though it's just been a couple years, are starting to feel like what we used to talk about the Patriots. There, it's like, oh, the Bills are going to run this. Like you, you see their quarterback, you see their weapons around them. They've got a you know a, a really good defense. Sean McDermott's a really good defensive coach. Um, the thing is, is you you last year offensively after. Uh, Who's the Giants head coach that was there? Dayball. Dayball. Uh, D- uh, yeah, Brian Dayball. When he left, you you saw a little bit of a step back from Josh Allen. Not a lot, but just a little bit. Does that regression keep going? And you and you say 
it was it day you know as it was in New England was it Belichick or was it Brady you, you saw the hole there it was a little bit more Brady than Belichick Belichick definitely on the defensive side of things but Brady steered the offense quite a bit here in in Buffalo you 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 saw the little bit of a step back last year and so now you know the question started to creep into people's minds was it Josh Allen getting better with this or was it Dayball helping him get better because you saw Daniel Jones take a few steps forward last year after Dayball got to New York and so it, it's it's uh you know this year if you see Josh Allen continue to make those little regressions you say oh maybe it was Dayball maybe maybe he was the the guy that was going to have this and then you you know not this year maybe not next year but maybe Maybe not going into next year at least, but maybe midway through next year, you start asking, is McDermott the guy that's going to get them over the hump here? Because that's still the thing, is Buffalo is still is, is a really good football team. They're, they've got so much talent. They've got a good quarterback with Josh Allen. Can they get over that hump? They, they you know, back in the 90s, uh, it, they got to the Super Bowl three times, and they fell short three times. They were never get. They were never able to get past that hump. This hump is getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, can that is Sean McDermott? Uh, in, like I said, you're not going to be asking the question this year because they're they're still you know more than likely going to win the division. They're they're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be in a good spot in the playoffs. But if you get midway through next year, if they don't make a Super Bowl this year, if they don't you know if they're not in contention in the AFC Championship again this year. You, you may start to ask the question, is Sean McDermott the guy that's going to get them over that hump? Because uh, you look you, – the talent's there on the roster. The talent is there to compete with Kansas City. Uh, and so there – you know, it's, it's going to be it's, – it's going to be an interesting battle this year. It, it's really, I, I think, Buffalo and then New York or Miami, whoever – who can win that series really this year um, can – is, is going to finish second in the division and then – I hate to say it, Patriots are going to be bringing up the rear, but it's going to be a it's going to be a fine you know it's going to be a spe- respectable rear. Yeah, I I agree with you, especially about the Josh Allen and Brian Dayball thing because you definitely did see a little bit of a regression. So that's going to be a big deal because I think this division got a lot better. And it's weird to say that I think the Patriots are going to come in last, but I just do. I just don't think it's going to be a great. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be around five hundred. You know, that, that, that'll get you in a playoff somewhere else, but not in the uh, AFC. It's just that, that that division is loaded. And like you said, they were really good with Tua, the Dolphins. Miami was really good with Tua before the uh, unfortunate concussions happened. And you got to think, you know, if he takes another concussion, what, what happens with that? Does he keep playing? I mean, I know that's been talked about. Is That's a big deal. And so, uh, you know, Miami has definitely got the biggest potential offensively because they just have so many playmakers, and, and their head coach is a really good offensive uh, – he comes from an offensive background. But with the Bills, though, I feel like, yes, they definitely do have the best roster. I think they've just – you know they're they're getting used to that uh, being contenders, but at the same time though, I feel like the Bills get fall into this funk where it happen, you'll see it a lot in the playoffs where they are so content with passing. They never they are not a very good running team, and that has really come to a fourth in the playoffs as we've seen these past few years. Outside of the Kansas City miraculous thirteen second comeback, yeah, that that's that's different. They probably they should have won that game, but so be it. But uh, yeah. I, that is the question that I want to see with the Bills is if they can have a good run game to complement Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs because that's what's kind of that's what cost them last year whenever they played uh, Cincinnati. But yeah, the Jets though will be the most interesting watch since they got Aaron Rodgers. They've been on hard knocks, you know. They they'll have the most 
the most uh, TV eyes on them, but I don't know if they'll simply be the best because, like I said, I've been watching Hard Knocks and the offensive line has struggled. So, And that is a big concern as it always has been. It's not been about the talent of Aaron Rodgers and they have a pretty good receiving core. It's just about that offensive line. And, yeah, I, I do appreciate that the Patriots did hire Brian Dayball. I'm not Brian Dayball. Uh, Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. Uh, but they both were OCs at Alabama, fun fact. But uh, Bill O'Brien, uh, instead of Matt Patricia calling the plays, because I think that was just dumb. I, I don't understand yeah. why that ever happened. But I think they will be offensively better. I just think it's a problem of them being in this really tough division, and it sucks, but it's – you know, someone's got to come in last, and it looks like the Patriots are going to come in last. So I think it'll be Bills, like, like Brooks said. I think it'll be Bills, whoever wins the Dolphins-Jets series. I'm leaning towards Dolphins, and then um, Patriots at last. Yeah, I mean, again, I think that I echo uh, most of your guys' thoughts. I think that New England's defense will be towards the top of the league. It'll be very valuable against a division that should be really good offensively. Uh I think Mac Jones is fine. I just think he's an average NFL quarterback at this point. Uh, could he become a little bit more sure? But uh, he still is underwhelming at times. And also the weaponry is just towards the bottom of the league still ultimately. So I think that they'll execute pretty well what they have, but they're just not flashy enough to, to make a bunch of, hey, I'm really interested to see a matchup with the Jets against the rest of the division mainly Sauce Gardner against Stephon Diggs or Sauce Gardner versus Tyreek Hill slash Jalen Waddle. That's going to be X factors in those games because he is one of the top young corners already in the league. And that division has really good quarterback play, but also has excellent wide receivers. Again, uh, those two teams have, I mean, you know, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Stephon Diggs, three of the top 20 receivers in the league, something in there. Uh, three of the top 15. So really good wide receiver play there. So I'm interested to see if the Jets can take that good start to defense last year and then better the offense the way that you would anticipate Aaron Rodgers to better the offense and it actually go according to plan. Because it feels like with the Jets, it's just a team that it wouldn't go to according to plan. The Jets were fourth in the NFL in scoring defense last year. They were already a really good defense. So, again, it's not that they have to be the best offense. They don't. They don't have to have Rodgers come in and play like prime Green Bay Rodgers if it is true that he really did decline because the Jets were 29th in points a game last year. Fourth in defense, 29th in offense. If you're fourth in defense again, just be 14th. An offense. You don't have to be awesome all the time. If you just go from 29th to 14th of that defense, you will win 10 or 11 games. You'll go to playoffs. Uh, so that's what I'm looking for with the Jets. And then with the Dolphins, as you guys said, with Tua, I just want the man healthy for 17 games. I think that Mike McDaniel knows what he's talking about. I think that they ran some really good stuff last year. They were able to use Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle to their advantage. Uh, Joe Bartle, when we talked to him yesterday, really liked even the players behind those guys. I, I think that Miami should be really good. Uh, it's just I worry about the durability of Tua, and that's just going to end up being – unless he goes three or four straight healthy years, that's just going to be a worry uh, for, for, for one, one hit away, it feels like, with him. Uh, so I think Miami would be pretty good to a point, but I just wonder about their, their full season viability. And then 
again, Buffalo, I, I think that they're not a big question in the regular season. They're going to perform in the regular season. And I think that they, they're not as bad as Dallas because Dallas is just so damn dramatic and everyone cares about them. But Buffalo's season is determined in the postseason. They'll get to the playoffs, whether they're the two seed, four seed, three seed, even five seed if they slip up and go 12 and five and someone else goes 12 and five but beats them head to head in the division, whatever. That their season's determined if they can get to a Super Bowl or not. Because as Brooks said, I'm not, the clock's not ticking on them, but it is starting to be like, okay, you know, kind of time for you to take that next step. Because think about it this way the Bengals already made that step. You know, of all the teams, if you'd said who in the last three years, four years, is going to dethrone Kansas City in the AFC, you said Buffalo. And the Cincinnati jumped the line and beat them. So now Buffalo's just as worried about Cincinnati as they are Kansas City. So important year for Buffalo. That's the AFC East. That took a little bit of time. We need to go a little faster with at least one of these next two divisions. AFC North up next. I'll go ahead and go first here real quickly. I think this is another fascinating division. I really think this and the AFC East, either one, take your pick, and maybe the NFC East to a lesser degree are the three best divisions and they're the three most interesting divisions. Cincinnati, really good. Joe Burrow, really good. Weapons, really good. Defense rushes the passer well. A little lesser in the back end, but fine. Baltimore, Lamar Jackson got paid. Big money, big expectations. Lamar needs to play well. Baltimore has played well when he's healthy, so it's also he needs to stay on the field. They, they Remember, two years ago, they went from one seed out of the playoffs when uh, he missed time. So Baltimore is capable of being really good. Pittsburgh keeps treading water with, with average quarterback play because Mike Tomlin's a really good coach. It's kind of the – it's almost similar to the Patriots, I want to say. Like their defense keeping them afloat, really good coach keeping them afloat while they try to figure out more offense. Kenny Pickett, young, improving. George Pickens is really, really good. So Pittsburgh, it, you know they're not going to be bad. The worst case of Pittsburgh still 8-9, eight, 9-8. Nine, nine and eight. But the best case of Pittsburgh is, is intriguing this year. And then even Cleveland. You know, Deshaun Watson, again, it's in there somewhere. He, he was a top five quarterback in the league for a couple of years in Houston. Um, can this be a big-time resurgence for him? Or is he going to just have to decline to a middle to below average quarterback in the league? That's a big question mark for him and for Cleveland. But if you get that Texans Deshaun Watson out of him in Cleveland, Lord knows they're paying him to be the Texans version of Deshaun Watson. Again, Nick Chubb's awesome. Weapons okay. But Chubb, again, Chubb's awesome. They'll have a run game. They still rush the passer really well. Their defense overall pretty good. Like, that Browns team still has upside, too. So I'm not sure that there is a necessarily a bad team. I'm a, I feel a little bit better that one team's going to have disappointing gear and one team is going to be, you know, maybe it's Cleveland, maybe it's Pittsburgh, is going to be disappointed. But there's no re- – you can make a playoff argument for all the teams. You, you really can. And maybe you're a little less sold on Cincinnati winning the division because of Baltimore. I think that's in play. I'm really intrigued by this division too, guys. Like I said, I think it's it's going to be very competitive with the AFC East in terms of uh, teams being able to compete for a Super Bowl, but also teams vying for the division, vying for wild cards. I think this division has it all. Yeah, I think I totally agree with you on that. It's just a matter of I 
truly believe they'll be between the Ravens and the Bengals because it, it'll just come down to if Lamar Jackson's healthy because whenever Lamar Jackson's healthy, the Ravens are really good. Like, they win a lot of ball games whenever Lamar is in there. But uh, whenever the backup's on there, obviously, you know, that's a backup quarterback in the NFL. But I think the Bengals offensively will be one of the best like they were, and I think they'll just continue to improve. Uh, I'll be interested to see how their defense does this year, but I, I still would – think that they will be either the favorite or Baltimore like I said if Lamar is healthy I will lean towards the Ravens which is a little uh, uncommon but maybe not an uncommon take but and then the Browns I think you have to look into it this way if the Browns are like if Deshaun Watson comes out there and he's average let's just say he's average they go like seven and ten you gotta think that Kevin Stefanski's on the hot seat or six and eleven. I mean, they they're paying Deshaun so much money, and yeah. they are not. If they're not in a playoff game, he's definitely going to be on the hot seat. And with the Steelers, it's you know Mike Tomlin's just such a good coach. I mean, has he had a losing season? I mean, we're, I don't think so. I was about to say, I don't no. think he has. So, I mean, why would why would I doubt him? So, and I I'm not a huge Kenny Pickett believer. I know a lot of people are, but I'm not a big buyer into that i think he's kind of average but i think coaching wise though they're so well coached that it's you know they'll always you know they'll always have a good defense under mike tomlin it feels like and while their offense may not be the best i think their defense will definitely carry them to about a nine and eight uh ten and seven record but yeah if i was to go with my afc north prediction i think the ravens will win it with the Bengals just a little behind maybe like a game or two behind then the Steelers, and I think the Browns are not going to be very good. I I just – I don't know. I think – I don't know what happened to Deshaun Watson. I know the whole court stuff, and, and maybe that changed him. I don't know. But what I saw last year was not the Deshaun that I remembered. Maybe it was rust, maybe not. But in this hard division, in this tough division, I will go with the Browns coming in last. Um, you know, you, you look at this division. I, I think you could really make a make a case for any of these teams. Uh, you know, coming up and, and giving a run to the, to win it. I, I think that if you're, you know, obviously, I, I still think the best quarterback in the division is is Joe Burrow. Um, if, if he stays healthy all year, I think Cincinnati's got a good good run at uh, at, at uh, winning the division again. Uh, the Ravens, if if they can put things together uh, and Lamar can stay healthy. Uh, they've got a good shot. Pittsburgh, I think, is a team that can uh, they can come up and win win this division as well this year. Like you were talking about, they got really good coaching. They always figure out that wide receiver room. It, it doesn't matter. It, it just seems it, it just seems every draft they get good wide receivers, and they they always have top notch uh, wide outs up there in Pittsburgh. And uh, you know the, the the Cleveland Browns are also a team. They had a, a pretty good defense last year. Um, Ryan, we were you were saying it off the air. You had a half a year without Deshaun Watson. Watson half a year with Deshaun Watson you still ended up uh you know just what a couple games below 500 or something like that it, they, they were a, a pretty good uh they were a pretty decent team last year so you could make the case for all of them I think Cincinnati probably ends up winning this division again I think Pittsburgh I, you know what I'll be I'll say Pittsburgh finishes second then it gets a wild card spot and then it's Baltimore and Cleveland battling it out for that third spot all right, so that's the AFC North. We were much more timely with that. Uh, that's that's very nice. Great we listen to directions. <laughs> so AFC West is last up. Then we'll have one overarching question at the end here for the AFC. AFC West. Raiders got Garoppolo this year. Uh, I just don't know about Las Vegas. Uh, when you look at Kansas City, you look at Denver, 
and then obviously look at the Chargers. Those three teams are your teams. Vegas is finishing last. I think that with Denver, it just couldn't possibly be as bad as last year. Joe came on the show yesterday. He took us aback. I'll, I'll be. I'll admit that he said, "I'm not sure that Sean Payton's a good coach." I, I think Sean Payton's a very good coach. Uh, I, I, you can question whether it, he will fix Russell Wilson in its totality, but I promise you, at the end of this year, if they're five and twelve or six and eleven, and Russell Wilson's terrible, they ain't moving on from Sean Payton. They'll be moving on from Russell Wilson. So uh, I, I I think Sean Payton will get something more out of Russell Wilson. And he's been coaching him hard. If you're reading the the headlines, uh, he's basically calling Russell Wilson out and says, you're publicly posturing for your image. You need to play football. You're a football player. Go get, go, go get better at it. Go play the way you're capable of playing. Let's figure this out, and then you can put on whatever suit and say whatever nice things about your wife out loud. Go, go figure this out because you're being paid a lot of money and there was a lot of investment into you by this organization to trade for you from Seattle. So that's the question with Denver. Is is Russell Wilson done or does he have an, a, a last dance of sorts? Kansas City's really, really good. They're going to win this division again, in my opinion. Mahomes, is he is – I want to be careful because you know how I feel that Brady's the greatest of all time. And I'm not – we're not making – those types of statements about Mahomes until we get another eight, nine years down the line of this. But Mahomes is is now transitioning into that phase where he is Brady-like and that conference runs through him. And the conference is going to run through Kansas City. And if you want to go to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to beat Kansas City. They're not, they're not going to fold up and have an eight, nine, nine, and eight year. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to win the division most, if not every year. And you're going to have to go to Arrowhead at some point and beat them, or 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 be 15 and two in order for them to come to your place. And it's going to be very difficult to do that. Uh, they they've mastered it. If you're trying to make an argument against it, I was telling Brooks uh, and and Brant a little bit earlier off air that okay, well Kansas City's got pretty weak wide receiver room. Marquez Valdez Scantling, uh, Day, uh, Sky, Sky Moore. Probably their top receivers. Obviously, Kelsey's their top weapon, but he is in his 30s. This will not go on forever. You know, Kansas City has to be a little careful not to give Mahomes absolutely anything. Uh, they have certainly made their offensive line better, which was their great flaw when they lost to Tampa Bay a few years ago. So they did get that fixed. That's why they won a title last year, another title last year. But to think that Kansas City's not a shoo-in for at least 12 wins every year, I mean, you'd be wrong. They're going to win at least 12 games every year from now on. It's just can you get the right uh, the right uh, formula to be able to take him out when it matters most, rush Mahomes, score enough on that defense. They do have Chris Jones holding out right now, which is interesting and, and not their preference because he is a uh, probably the best, eh, second-best defensive tackle in the league. Aaron Donald's probably – Neck and neck. I don't know. Either one. You want to take either one, fine. Uh, but And then with, with the Chargers, there's not as much of this in the AFC. In the NFC yesterday, I felt like I said three or four different times, well, I like their roster, but I don't like their coach. Well, this is really the only time in the AFC where I'm stoutly in that camp. I like their roster. I like Justin Herbert. I don't like their coach. I don't like Staley. And I think that they are a 12 or 13-win roster with a seven-coach's body, seven-win coach's body. And so – you spit that out, you get 10 wins. And that's fine. That might get them in the playoffs as the 6 or 7 seed, but that's not the team that they are capable of being. And they're going to make dumb mistakes in the process. Uh, 
do you guys? I guess the question for you guys. I mean, you're going to break down the division, but do you believe Russell Wilson and Denver turning around this year? I feel like that's the biggest question still in this division. I think they've got the opportunity. Uh, I think that it's you know, it, I don't think it turns all the way around. Um, I, I think that they get the ship pointed in the right direction. I think that uh, I think that Sean Payton gets that the the ship there turned in the right direction, away from choppy waters, headed back toward the port. Um, but they're it, not, they're not the, they're not the Bucks or the I, Raiders. I know, but I, I, I turned the ship. So I just wanted to keep going with the nautical thing. I wore a, I wore a, a lighthouse shirt yesterday. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm in the nautical mood. All right. Um, so it's, I, I think that they, they get it pointed in the right direction. I think next year is the year. If, if they can, if they, that they can start, uh, competing for the division again, or at least, uh, being competitive with, uh, Kansas city. Uh, I think that they are going to be, I don't think they finished last in the division um i I think that's could be uh las vegas um it's you know i i I like uh you know what las vegas is doing but i just don't know if it's enough to to get out of the the black hole uh the the they've created there and and so i think that it's you know i think the division is going to come down to Kansas City winning, uh, probably winning the division again. But I think the the Chargers can make a good turn this year. I, I really like Justin Herbert as quarterback. Um, I think that he's got some good weapons around him. Um, and again, arguably, uh, or uh, I, I hope that Austin Eckler has a good year. He's on my fantasy team. Uh, but it, I think that they, I think there's a lot of good weapons around uh, uh, Justin Herbert that they can get in there. They can be, battle for a wild card spot there. But I think that Denver, Denver's going to be a team that turns things. And they're gonna, you know, you're gonna start about midway through this year. You're gonna, you're gonna say next year this team's gonna be really good. Uh, you're, you're gonna see them, and they're, they're gonna be competing for playoff spots again next year. And so, uh, I think it goes Kansas City, uh, Chargers, Broncos, and the the, the Raiders uh, finishing up there in the last spot. Yeah, I, I can agree with you on that. But I think Sean Payton's gonna get them turned around pretty quick. He he has a good history of having winning teams in this league. So. I don't know how much of it was Russell Wilson or how much of it was Nathaniel Hackett and that mess. So I think the Broncos are going to be really good this year, but I think the Chiefs will still win the division. My And I think the Raiders will come in last. My question, though, comes with the Chargers because they find a way to lose in some of the strangest and most laughable ways possible. They just find ways to lose, it feels like. But I know they hired Kellen Moore from the Dallas Cowboys to be their offensive coordinator so i i don't know how much of that will change i think they'll be better offensively but i'm not sure how much of that will really change the chargers as a whole because i don't know they just do very strange stuff at times so but yeah i i agree i'm interested to see how mahomes does tonight without travis kelsey i think they'll still win against the detroit lions but i think he's just so good you know he can make anyone really good i'm saying not saying that kelsey is bad at all i think kelsey's one of the great tight ends of our uh of ever so i'm really interested to see how that turns out but yeah the raiders though that's an interesting situation because i i think a lot of people would have them at last, and you got to think about, you know, I know they just had, they got Josh McDaniels, but there's been a lot of heat about that, about, you know, is he really that secure, is he not? I'm not saying he's going to get fired this year, I'm just saying that there's a, it seems like his heat, his seat is getting a little bit warmer than many expected this early on, but whenever you're in that tough of a, whenever you're in that tough of a division and you also are the new, you, well, you're not new, but you just moved to this new ginormous stadium and there's a lot of eyes on you and you're the Raiders, you know, that's a big name, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that, 
how that falls out because even though I do think Jimmy Garoppolo is good and hopefully he'll stay healthy, I just don't think that roster is good enough to get out of that uh, that fourth spot because everyone above them is just really good. Yeah, I mean, look, the, Vegas is not trying to be bad. You signed Garoppolo with the intent with still Devontae Adams there, uh, Josh Jacobs. You, like, you're still – you have right. something – it just, I just don't know if McDaniel's. I, I wanted him to be good. I think I, you know he ran great offense in New England, but also you know who the quarterback was and all that. Uh, I just, I, I'm just kind of out on Vegas. So real quickly, as we're burning through this, we need to take our final break of the show. I only count three teams that I deem can't make playoffs in the AFC. I don't think Indianapolis, Houston, or Las Vegas can make the playoffs. Everybody else I can make an argument for. That's 12 of the 15, uh, twelve of the 16 teams. Excuse me, 13 of the 16 teams. I can count. Uh, seven make the playoffs. Give me the seven. Right now. Both of you guys look unprepared. Okay. Well, seven, uh, seven, give teams, me the seven playoff teams. Seven teams in the AFC playoffs. All right, here we go. Yep. Kansas City. Okay. Cincinnati. Yep. Uh, Buffalo. Yep. I needed fourth from the south. Jacksonville. Yep. Uh, Pittsburgh. Okay. Um... Uh, Chargers. Oh, okay. And oh gosh, what are, there's nobody else. I'm not going to give the South another one. Um, no, don't please don't. <laughs> uh, do I go to the East or do I go to the uh, North? I think probably go East. Oh no, gosh, I don't know. Uh, you know what? Bold Baltimore. Okay. okay. Wow. Only okay. One East team. Okay. So I'll, I'll start off with the division winners. Yep. I think the Bills will win. I don't think they'll be the one seed. I just think they'll win. But the one seed will be the Kansas City Chiefs. I believe two seed will be the Bills. I think number three will be the Ravens. Okay. And I think the Jags will win uh, the South, so I think they'll be there. And then the other three teams, I will go, not in normal, but I'll go with the Dolphins, I'll go with the Chargers, and then I'll go with the Bengals. So. Okay. Okay. Uh, Dolphins, okay, there you go. Mine, we're all a little different there. Uh, division winners, I'm not doing seeds. I don't know. Uh, don't, don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kansas City, wins the west jacksonville or excuse me i'm gonna go tennessee wins the south i'll go baltimore in the north although i love joe burrow i won't miss, make him miss the playoffs uh, i just think uh, baltimore's proven a lot when lamar's healthy i'll say he gets healthy stays healthy this year afc east goes to buffalo wild card cincinnati i'm gonna go oh yeah ah oh i'm gonna go with one east team i'm gonna go Jets, and then the additional team, I will reluctantly go Chargers, even though I feel like Brandon Staley is going to really have a bad moment at the wrong time. So I'll, I'll keep uh, the Dolphins narrowly out. I'll keep the Steelers narrowly out uh, amongst some others that, that definitely could make it. All right, that was fun. Uh, real quickly, Super Bowl. Who you got in the, from the AFC? You don't have to give the NFC. Oh, okay. AFC. I'll go, with, uh, I'll, I'll go with the Bills. Bills. Oh, wow. Back-to-back Chiefs. Chiefs again. Uh, I had to fail. I I tried to be spicy with the college football playoff prediction. I'll tell myself again. I had Clemson versus Ohio State, and I regret everything immediately. <laughs> it's going to be Georgia and Alabama. I don't know why I try. Uh, so I'm not going to try hard in this AFC either, and I'm going to take uh, Kansas City. And I think I had a repeat Super Bowl. I think I said Philly yesterday. So yeah, just do do it over again. Which means it absolutely will not happen. So congratulations yep. on new Super Bowl participants. You are welcome all right we're about out of time for the show and take one final time out back with the nightly tv guide right after this
Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Brooks Childress with you. Final few minutes. We just previewed the AFC Conference in the National Football League. Again, Thursdays for several years in this program, we, we've done a lot of NFL picks. We've done a lot of NFL stuff on Thursday, so we're going to continue to make Thursday a pretty big NFL day. Of course, we'll have some college stuff throughout, too. Uh, and then Fridays is where we hit all the SEC games. Obviously, a lot of Auburn, the big matchups across the country. Very exciting time. TP, before we get uh, closing out here with TV Guy, I want to get your thoughts, though, on Auburn and Cal real quick here. And uh, as I try to do with everybody, get a word or two in. What are you looking for uh, in Berkeley this Saturday? Two things. I'm looking to see how the rush defense does against Jada. Not. I'm also interested to see how they uh, handle that cross-country travel. That is, I want to see if they maybe get fatigued or maybe not. But overall, I do think Auburn will win. I'll give you. I'll even give you a score prediction. Okay. I think it will be your classic Pac-12 after dark shootout. I'm going with 49 to 42. Auburn Good wins. Good lord. The points. Yep. All of the Hammer points. Hammer the over. Yeah, it's all, all it's, it's a little hyperbole, but it's almost double the over. Because <laughs> I think I'm the standing lot, to my know, guns. 55s <laughs> over under, that'd be 91. That'd be good stuff. Uh, I think everybody would uh, be viciously complaining about the defense afterward. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think that conditioning is interesting, but I think the good news is it's going to be in the 60s during the game. Uh, so it's just the, the matter of having a, a cross country trip there and being. Hopefully not uh, jet lagged. You know, heard Hugh Freeze say on the te- SEC teleconference Wednesday. Then hindsight, he actually would have preferred the travel Friday because he didn't realize it was such a late game Saturday night. Uh, but I I like the moving out there Thursday better too. I mean, it's still a college team. You can you can chaperone them a little bit more. I wouldn't worry about getting in trouble that sort of thing. Now I've just cursed somebody so, so getting suspended. Now uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm the worst. Uh, anyway, a couple minutes left of the show. Time for a nightly TV guide to finish things off. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. Brooks, I have an idea of a thing or two on tonight, but please inform the masses. There are probably movies on tonight, but I'm not giving you any of them because there's a variety of sports on for whatever your taste is. Excellent. Starting off at 6 o'clock on ESPN, the U.S. Open Tennis. Women's semifinals get underway from the Billie Jean King National Tennis Center up in New York. Check that out. Also at 6 o'clock on ESPN. You, we got some college soccer. Top 10 matchup, North Carolina and South Carolina. The Battle of the Carolinas Part 2. Will this one be? Will this one settle the real Carolina? Probably not, because they keep playing each other. So North Carolina, South Carolina. No, it's already been settled. 
Um, high school football action tonight in Lone Star State of Texas. You got Red Oak versus Lake Belton on ESPN2. Uh, then 7 o'clock on FS1, some women's college volleyball. Uh, Arizona takes on Wisconsin. The NFL is back. We talked about it. 7.20 on NBC. The Detroit Lions taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions. Watch them raise the banner without Travis Kelsey suited up uh, tonight. And there's your big football action for the night. The other football game on tonight ACC Network, if you have it, if you don't have Spectrum. Uh, it is Murray State taking on Louisville. Louisville's a 44-point favorite in this. Really, the, what you're watching for is do they cover at home? Well, hey, should we start doing, like, <laughs> two separate TV guides? <laughs> one for non-Spectrum customers and one for Spectrum customers? Maybe. Because, <laughs> you know, there's some other channels, too. Was it, like, yeah, FX you don't here, get and stuff like that? You're... So. you're, you're TV guide for uh, people who have Spectrum still. Women's College Volleyball and the Braves. There you go. For everybody else, everything. Uh, also, everything else on tonight is 6 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Auburn takes on West Virginia, or is at West Virginia in soccer. Also at 6 o'clock on the SEC Network+. Plus. Number 25, Auburn Volleyball, ranked for the first time in their history, hosts MTSU. Our good friend J.J. Jackson's on the call for that one tonight, so check out the uh, SEC Network+. Plus. Fun fact about J.J.'s from Asheville. That's right. He, he is. I don't know if we've ever mentioned on the show before. And then, of course, tonight at 620 on Valley Sports South, also on our sister station, AM 1230 WAUD, the St. Louis Cardinals and the Atlanta Braves wrap up their three-game series, wrap up the last time you'll see the Braves play the Cardinals this calendar year, uh, and the Braves looking to salvage a win in that series tonight. And you can check that out, like I said, on our sister station, AM 1230 WAUD. And that is our TV guide brought to you by friends at White Claw Heart Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks. Thank you for being on the show today. We'll see you again tomorrow and get ready for some more college football. I'll be right in this seat waiting for you. Absolutely. And T.P. Hammock, thanks for joining us today. Hope you have a good rest of your week, sir. We'll see you again next week. Thank you, as always. That will do it for the show this afternoon. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in for Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Enjoy the NFL football tonight, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.